I had one. Uh, Yoko Ono Tomahawk, ladies and gentlemen. And welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. Dude, and, that was uh, awesome. You just rifled that off. The audience doesn't even know. I didn't even prepare you. You just, like, you came in hot. It was great. I, I had it ready, but I wasn't, like, I mean, the, we'll let the audience uh, behind the curtain here. We were having a conversation yes. about My Bloody Valentine. And we're going to have And then Garrett heat. smartly was like, just hit record. Yeah. Let's just do that because that's what's going to yes. happen. But I also and refused so to I had edit, Yoko so. Ono Tomahawk uh-huh. uh, set. I, I thought of that when I was peeing about five minutes ago before the Perfect. show. And, um... And so, yeah, and so it was ready, but I wasn't ready. So it just, kind of, it just all, it all happened so fast. Well, and let's, uh, real quick, find us over on the internet. I like two movie. That's the numeric two. Uh, we're on moviejohn.com. That's J-A-W-N, part of their podcast network and excited about it. And, uh, you know, look us up online. Email us. I like two movie at gmail.com. Yeah, if you listen to our most recent classic episode for... Um, why can't I come up with the name of the movie? My brain is fried from oh, just oh, working the, so good. the Mercenary, what we did recently. No, not the Mercenary. The one that Nick recommended to us. Oh, gosh. Uh, Beast, Beast of War. War. Yeah, so we are looking for more recommendations such yes. as that because that ended up being a great movie, great yes. episode. We had a lot of fun with it. So definitely reach out to us. Also, I want to shout out to The Rank Bank. Um, yes. It is a show that Dan Getz and Dave Primiano do as part of their Wasted Robot Network. And we were uh, lucky to be guests this week on their show. Um, I don't know if the episode dropped yet, but we counted down some of our favorite uh, Oscar Best Picture winners of the last uh, 20 years. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so definitely check out the latest episode of that. That was was a ton of fun. Super fun. Dan and I rarely get to guest on podcasts together. Yeah. So that was like very fun. It was cool. Yeah, that was a good time, and I think it ended up having some really cool conversations about the Oscars in general, Oscar movies, what they are, what they aren't, whether or not Boston is a character in the movies that's the city, (laughs) all this crazy stuff. It was so much fun, and uh, uh, Dan and and Dave are both uh, good guys, and uh, they do a lot of uh, really good work on their network, so check that out as well. Yeah, But anyway, Harry Warden is the name of the murderer in My Bloody Valentine, or he's the name of the original... Yes. murderer in my bloody valentine i don't want to reveal any twists oh, but no. harry warden is the guy who uh disappeared into the mines after the valentine's day massacre that's what the was going I, on the thing i wanted to say and talk about quick was just about the remake because i had not seen it until recently and i knew that you i, I think i knew that you had seen it in theaters and like kind of liked it and i know you revisited yeah. it recently and liked it more yeah. did you okay I, I i think we can have this conversation without spoiling it too much but i liked the remake quite a bit i, I did it was, too like, it's pretty fun. It knows what it is. It's very efficient at doing what it does. You know what I mean? And it like, also has one of the craziest, most extended, uh, for lack of better term, in a slasher movie, titty sequences yes. I have ever seen. I was Agreed. like, I don't remember this. This <laughs> yeah. is wild. Yes. But it's like on brand. It actually like suits the material for so, what it's worth. Yeah, I, I quite liked it. I thought it was fun. It made me regret, you know, not being enough of a fan of this stuff to have gone and seen it in 3D, yeah. you know? But, okay, I guess without spoiling it, if we can, I was a little frustrated that that movie, I felt like, 
played cheap with its rules. It it deceived me as a viewer in order to have a twist that it could not have had had it not deceived me about some details. I'm not going to agree or disagree. I need yeah. to know the details. Okay, well, let's do it. Okay, if, if somebody is really worried about My Bloody Valentine, specifically the 3D remake, skip forward five minutes. The twist of that movie... Uh, and I will say this, too. Uh, even if you don't, like, even if, we, if, if you don't and we just spoil it for you here, it's yeah. not going to ruin that movie. Oh, no. Because it is, like... It's one of two endings that twist movies tend to have. Yes, yes, yes. And so you're you're gonna know. Yes, you're gonna it's, know. Yes. Okay. So, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I don't even remember how to specifically state the twist, even though I can remember what it is. It's just that like one of the kids that we've been following is actually the killer. Right? Yes. Right. Yes. Now there's a sequence kind of early in the movie where he's trapped in a cage in the mine, mm-hmm. and we are aware that he is not witnessing with his eyes Harry Minor or whoever murdering other people. But while he's trapped in that cage, other people are being murdered. Yes. And like by the end of the movie, the twist, in order for that to work, like he can't be in that cage, right? In order for the twist to work, it means he was never in that cage. Well, I actually have a way around this. Okay. Um, It's Fight Club rules. Mm -hmm. He's an unreliable narrator. Yes. So in that moment, he probably wasn't in the cage. He killed yeah. a bunch of people, then locked himself in the cage. Yes. The end. Yes, but. But his reality but, but, is that he is that he saw it off from in the cage. Yeah, maybe. I need to rewatch it because I remember being really mad when the movie revealed that he was the killer just because they had enough times been very explicit about, like, yeah. no, look, he's right here while, while people around him are being killed. Like, they were I, so explicit about him. No, literally being in the presence of like other victims and stuff that yeah, I was yeah. like you you literally had to lie to me in order for this twist to work i i remember feeling that the first time i watched yeah. it the second time i didn't uh, and they do show him like locking himself in the cage and breaking off right. the lock from the inside right. with his yes. little axe and so i just think of it in terms of remember the scene when uh in fight club when he's driving yes. without his hands on the wheel yes um and it's got Edward Norton and Brad Pitt in the car conversing with the dudes in the back. And then we find out that's just all a lie. Yes. And his perception is just so fucking skewed that yes. that's how it is. Yes. I'm willing to chalk it up to something like that. Um, I but re- I, I do remember feeling that way the first time I saw it. The second time I, I just kind of jived with it better. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, um, it so you might not, you might not be wrong. It doesn't matter. But at matter the end of the day, it's me. one of those where, yeah, like it, it almost yeah. just who gives a shit. It doesn't matter it, to me. There could be a, a some loose ends there that that I just knew to dismiss. And I would, but like, I'd have to see it again with that in my mind. I would like to watch it again with that in mind because now I, as a teenager, rewatched Fight Club a hundred times. Yeah. So it has the benefit of me inspecting all of these details, right? Because yeah, I remember the first time I saw Fight Club, I was like, "Well, that doesn't make any sense." Yeah. He talked to him, you know, and, right. like, and then I, I didn't really quite get the unreliable narrative. But what Unreli- I, I can't talk today, man. What I know from rewatching it is that, for instance, in the scene you mentioned, when you rewatch it, they show you shots of the two guys in the back looking at each other like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Because they're seeing him talk to himself in the front mm. seat while not holding the wheel. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The other characters in the movie are like aware that this guy is like having a breakdown. And so when you rewatch it, 
you realize the movie is not lying to you. Yeah. You just are exclusively seeing his experience of the material. Yeah, you're not getting the full info. Right. My memory now, again, I need to rewatch this My Bloody Valentine remake. Is that yeah, it is I not I feel like it's probably cleaner than we give it credit Maybe. for, but I also don't think it's as interested in being yes. clean as something like Fight Club was. Agreed. I like I said, was, the second time I watched it that like held up. I didn't really think about it. Yeah. But it's also like once you get into unreliable narrator territory, yes. you can always just explain a one lens between what's happening and what what you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. you can always just take it back one further lens, be like, no, that's part of the illusion too. That's nah, yeah. part of the illusion. Yeah. Like a, a movie that I love that actually I think is somewhat sloppy about it until it isn't, but still holds up is American Psycho. Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, that's another one too where it's like. You know, the point of that is by the end, he doesn't even realize what's real and what yeah, isn't, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, and if you read the book, it's very much the, the whole idea is that he's just fucking so far in yeah. this 80s Reaganomics Wall Street world that de- like he's so ignorant to details that it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so the movie kind of gets to play a little loosey-goosey with it. And I wonder if maybe that's what's happening in my bloody violence. And I mean, yeah. it is what it is, but my, yeah, I remember feeling that way the first oh, time. Man. So there could be so some frustrating issues. To me. And you know, my, my thing about, and this is weird to now try and parse some of this, but like, for instance, in American psycho, at least my takeaway at the end of that movie is like, none of who we, it's not that none of who we see are real, but like in fight club, we're watching real events happen. We're just yeah. only seeing them from that guy's perspective. Yeah. Where in American Psycho, I'm not even sure we're watching real events happen. I mean, I think that's I mean? the, where the movie lands, it posits that we aren't seeing real events. Right. Uh, for a few reasons. One, because uh, uh, Paul uh, Paul Allen is still yes. alive. Yeah. And we watch him rip him to shreds with an axe. ATMs can't and, talk to you. Yeah. And then two, ATMs yeah. don't ask you to feed them cats. Right. Unless you're completely delusional. So yeah, I think that it so ends like, up being a little cleaner like that. Exactly. Yeah. And so to me, it's like that's a little different thing than My Bloody Valentine, where I do think that I'm meant to think like, no, all of these characters are real people. These are real events that are happening happening it's just like this guy is who committed them and we presented the story in such a way where you the audience never could have guessed that yeah it would be impossible for you to guess our twist ending because we literally lied to you about those details about details that very well may be the case like i said i did feel that way the first time the second time not so much i was curious i i at the second time though it had been so long that I, I kind of remembered what the ending was, yeah, yeah. but didn't, so I wasn't really looking out for it. Yeah, you um, know what's funny? I, I would like to watch it looking out for it. It's totally rewatchable. It's definitely a ton it, of fun. It's so fun. And that's the other thing is actually, like, if you come back after five minutes of being away, I do like that My Bloody Valentine remake. Like, people should yeah. see it. It's fun. It's um, a lot of fun, and it has a great uh, writer cameo. Todd Farmer, the guy yes, who wrote Jason he X, he's yep. in the other half of that uh, full-on yes. nudity scene, yes. and he plays it very pathetic and funny. It's, it's I know very exactly good. What you're talking about. It feels like a scene that he wrote for himself. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. It's his sense of humor and his kind of thing, you know? Uh, like, he seems like a little bit of, like, a perv to me, and, and I don't yeah. even mean oh, that yeah. in a total negative sense, but, like, you know what I mean? Like He's just it, fucking metal, you yeah, know, where yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, throw some titties in there. Wah! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's just got that thing, yeah. Exactly. He it feels... Jason X. I mean, yes, it's... Yes. And, and, um... Uh, Drive Angry. Uh, Drive Angry 3D. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. His other yeah. movie that's 3D. Yes. Uh, I, I, um... Here's the other thing, though, really quick. It's just that, like, that is weirdly a movie that, like, does not need a twist ending. Like, the only no, reason they all. did that is because they knew they were remaking a movie, and they were like, well, maybe it would be more worth people's time if it wasn't the ending they expect. 
because yeah. we didn't do the same ending. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it feels yeah. like the only reason the twist ending is there is to be like, ah, see, it is different. And it's like, it doesn't need this. I actually, one of the things that surprised me about that is the guy who ends up being the good guy is yes. like the dickhead boyfriend. Yes, yes. And typically the dickhead boyfriend either is the bad guy or gets to be gloriously killed. And instead, the dickhead boyfriend has a redemption arc. Yes. And I was like, that's kind of new. And you I know, like that actor pretty cool. too, by the way. Hold on. I'm going to look this movie up really quick. I feel like he's like a can't hardly wait actor or something. He's one of those guys. Yeah, like I want to say he was in a couple. Like he might have also been in. Um, in fact, I think he was uh, uh, Final Destination. Like I, yes, he's, one of those he's in the first Final Destination. That's what I'm thinking of. Uh, um, uh, hold on, yeah, I gotta find my the cast bloody! Here. I can type it. I can't say it. Is, Is he Jensen Ackles? No, that's the other no, guy. That's, uh, Kara Smith. Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, so he was in. Yeah, he was in Final Kerr Destination. Kara Smith. Yeah, Kara Smith. I like this actor quite a bit, but now that I'm looking at his filmography, I'm realizing that's literally what I know him from: Final Destination. It says that he was in Agents of Shield, which I watched for a little while. Oh, interesting. But it feels like that might have happened after yeah. after he left. He was on Baywatch where he played oh, Sean. Oh, dude, he was also on Dawson's Creek. That's the other uh, reason I really know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I'm going to go ahead and say don't scroll too deep in that. Okay. Just don't scroll too deep. Fair enough. Yeah, there's uh, uh, we got to finish the Final Destination series oh, before you scroll I, too deep. I already saw what you meant. So, uh, okay, okay. but. I, but frankly, I don't think that actually could ruin too much for me ultimately. So yeah, to tell you the truth, I actually don't know if you can intuit the whole whatever. But I won't say yeah. anymore. I, yeah. It gets dangerous if yeah. I say anymore. I am looking forward to doing that series with you soon. So honestly, we should do that series. And I was thinking about it too. Uh, what was the series that I want? Oh, I mean, we're not going to have time because I'm going to watch all of the Saw movies before the new one comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just don't have the time for the episodes. No. But now that I bring that up, Saw is a series that it's like feature, not a bug that uh, Saw universally after the first entry does not play fair with its reveals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right. like part of the part of the, the fun of Saw is that whatever the big twist is, and it almost typically is, eh, Jigsaw planned this too before he died. He's yeah, a busy yeah. dude. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, yeah, like that's typically the, the, the Saw reveal involves at least one aspect where it's like, oh, the only reason I don't know that is because you straight up fucking lied to me. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but it, like, you know, what are they, nine, eight, eight or nine movies deep Something now? Like that, By yeah. the time you get to there, it's like, I, I, I get it. Like, you're a liar. That's why I'm here. Let's, let's <laughs> yeah. lie to me. Let's see what we can do. You know? yes. it, so it becomes a feature. But yeah, like in something like My Bloody Valentine, if it is what you say it is, it could be very, ups, uh, not upsetting, but uh, it was just frustrating. very it much was like, a ah, moment. Yeah, like, come on, movie. Word. Like, you had to lie to me to do this? This is dumb. <laughs> you're like, we're not, we're not playing high class here. Yeah, yeah. It didn't require any sort of like, true prestidigitation yeah. you just you, know, you could have come at me straight and no twist but yeah. you got to think though that movie was when was my bloody valentine like oh nine or something like that um do, like do oh nine so yeah. that was probably about the time of everything had to have a twist yeah you know it was the great movie year oh nine yeah including my, uh, bloody valentine some, it's, it's my bloody valentine yeah. which uh i will say it has that great line i actually have it on my instagram so we're going to pull up the audio of Tom Atkins telling everybody to calm the fuck down. Yes. Um, Atkins the, is great in the movie. He's great. He's having so much fun. Yep. And he says, oh, where is it? It's got to be one of his last, like, big roles, right? Here we go. Ready? 
Uh, I, I don't know how Instagram works. Here we go. That's so good. There's a bar fight breaking out, and he just flipped. Everybody stand. Like, that's why you hire that guy. I love You can do three things smoke cigarettes, bang broads, and yell orders. And he does them better than anybody. Yep. And, and I mean, like a... bang broads in that. That's, that's the function of like, like Halloween three. Yep. He bangs a broad in that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the wording for it. <laughs> yeah. And he's a tree. He's always a tree. Like he's always just, a tree. <laughs> he's just built like a tree. People treat him like he's a tree. Literally he's man. In, in the fog. I'm pretty sure Jamie Lee Curtis like climbs up him at one point. Like he, he's just seems likely. Yeah. <laughs> that's very funny. <laughs> so yeah, we're not talking about that movie nope. today though. <laughs> today we are talking about a movie that uh, came up in our YouTube uh, yeah. uh, episode last week when we were going through our Kino Lurver unboxing segment. And so the movie that we are going to be covering is Street Law. Street Law. The uh, Franco Nero film directed by Enzo G. Castellari, who did that. Uh, did he do New Barbarians? Oh, uh, give me one second. He did like, 1990 The Bronx Warriors. He also did Escape from the Bronx. And yes. you guessed it, The New Barbarians. If yeah. I remember correctly, was The New Barbarians the one where the people punish each other with gay anal sex? You betcha. Yep, that's the, that's that's the one. The one. <laughs> Craziness. And so in honor of Street Law, where uh, Franco Nero, uh, legendary badass, uh, plays a considerably less badass, we are going to be counting down some of our favorite uh, badasses playing not badasses. Yes. Uh, yes. Later in the episode, that was Garrett's suggestion. That was a very good one, and I found it to be difficult at first until the floodgates opened. Mostly because we currently live in a culture where non badasses are trying to play badasses. Yes. yes. And so it was weird to try and figure it out the other way. I I, I mostly yeah I, I feel like I mostly am going to have like the big hits of these answers on my list. I didn't I I, I didn't get to go too deep. I don't think. But we'll I got a couple there. unique ones. A couple that are like I'm going to have to. I'm going to have yeah. to get you there, but I'll yeah. get you there. I promise. Uh, now, Dan, I am curious what you thought of Street Law, because I have now seen this movie twice. I rewatched it for this because I had just seen it, you know, a month ago or something. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I rewatched shout it. Shout out to Dan Santelli. He's the one that kind yes. of put it in front of us. Yeah. Uh, basically, because I was like, hey, Franco Nero's a real hottie. What else is he good in? He was Dude, like, he's, he's a fucking Law. babe in this movie. Unreal, man. Yeah, those gold, those, uh, I almost said golden blue, but you know what it works? Those golden yep. blue eyes. Yep. Those that blue eyes little, and that mustache. Uh, cop mustache. Oh, boy. But in his sharp suit, but also being like, what I like about this movie is that he very frequently narrates his feelings. Yes. Where he's just like, they're cops. They are not coming. Yeah. Why aren't they coming? Yeah. What is this? Oh, dude. <laughs> I mean, there's I so. I know we're going to get into all of this, but to go to right to a moment that you just reminded me that I thought was so incredible both times I saw it, it's like maybe halfway through the movie when he's finally got these guys. He's got them all trapped in that warehouse. He's called the police and told them, I got them. I'm watching them exchange guns and drugs. If you get here now, you'll get them too. And he's just waiting for the cops. And this movie has this incredible score. Oh my God, it rocks. This rock and roll song that as he is sitting there waiting for the cops to come, it's like, dan, 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 stop. Where are the cops? Why are the cops not coming? It's the only time in the movie that it does that, where the music just like breaks. And this is a movie with like some aggro music. Dude, I remember that. That is so great. 
It really made me laugh both times. But seriously, there are no cops. <laughs> Why am I paying taxes if the cops are not the coming? Yeah. <laughs> I know we're doing offensive Italian accents. I apologize in advance. It's going to be happening a lot throughout this episode. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean it to parody Italians. I mean it nope. to parody one Italian. Yes, Franco exactly. Nero. Exactly. Uh, no, to answer your question, though, I thought this was fantastic. Yeah, it's you like so this? much fun. Uh, yeah. It's just, like, really fun. Yeah. And uh, I know that the obvious point of comparison is uh, Death Wish. Wish, yeah. But I, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm thinking with the entire series of Death Wish in my head. Yeah. The first one, Paul Kersey, uh, what's his name, Charles Bronson, yeah. he's not a badass. Right. And then by the end, he is now, he's got a boner for fighting crime. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. he, Like, the first guy he kills uh, kind of accidentally, he vomits everywhere in right. fear. And yep. in up in being upset, and by the end, it's like you know, step to me now, see what yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then by the fifth one, he's got a bazooka and he's blowing <laughs> up, you know, and just literally, if you're a woman who meets him, you will be raped and killed. That's just <laughs> yeah. how it works. Right. Uh, so it's you know, the fifth one I believe is a canon film too, so yeah, it like yeah. really takes a dip there. Tons of fun, all of them. Yeah. Um, but they definitely take the the moral code of the source material and go a little off. Yeah. Uh, yes. This one, I, I feel like it's different because. Even when he goes into, I'm going to air quote it, badass mode, yes. he doesn't actually become a badass. He is right. kind of hapless. He's yep. smart. Yep. He's uh, resourceful. Yep. But he doesn't become this unstoppable killing machine. And in fact, needs to be rescued more than once just because he's not ready for it. Um, so it is a way. different thing. But I, I do get why. Like I, I can yeah. definitely see them as... as as being programmed together. Yeah, like companion pieces of some kind. Yeah. He's like, he's in over his head from the get-go and never gets out. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, 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 the thing that this does that is maybe similar to Death Wish is that uh, in the end, he does kind of, like, become the thing that he's fighting, you know? Yeah. Which is, like, kind of the Death Wish thing. And so it's interesting that, like, while he... I agree with you, like, while never really becoming, like, the actual badass that any of the, the Paul Kersey character is or some of the other characters might compare him to. And it is what's interesting about him. He's literally, like, a a straight-laced, pretty much upper-class guy mm. that just, like, takes his stuff into his own hands. His superpower end, does, is that he's got a ton of pride. Right, yes. It's, by the end, he does, he becomes a violent man. Not necessarily yeah. a badass man, but a violent man, right? And that's, yeah. like, the thing that he seems to be trying to fight against. Mm -hmm. um, so it, that is the, I think maybe the comparison, actually the thing that I thought was interesting about it with comparing it to Death Wish is that like, and this is not a knock on Death Wish. I know that this is what Death Wish is, but for me as a viewer, I do, you know, I have trouble sometimes with those movies that are spurred by like the rape and death of a family member. Yeah. yeah. And, and this eschews that, you know, which yeah. is kind of nice for me. Well, it, it becomes, what's weird is, is it, it almost becomes like a, uh, somewhat of a commentary just on crime in general yes as opposed and like which the first death wish sort of does dance with that yeah, yeah. the as they go further it just becomes like you kill my wife i kill you you know like yeah, that's that's yeah. all it is um but like the first one is very much like this world is tainted and yeah. we're gonna need a, a chaos agent like myself who, yep. who is going to erase the taint using their own methods, you know? Uh -huh. And, like, this guy, and, you know, I mean, we will have to skip to the ending for me to make this statement, but the ending, the system that doesn't help him ultimately becomes the system that agrees to contain him. Yes. But he sees another person experiencing a similar frustration with the system, 
and essentially has the like good. Yes, you know, and like he, good. They are inspired by the injustice as well. He it's sees, just, it's weird. He sees the revolution coming, right? Like that's yes, one of the yeah. things that this movie is definitely about is the idea of like revolution and rebellion, and not just in like a personal sense, which is mm-hmm. what he's going through, but literally in a larger like societal context of like revolting against one's government or revolting against the ideas of because so I did a little bit of research on this because I I just recently was listening to have you ever heard of the pure cinema podcast yeah yeah um, I've not listened to it but I've, I've heard of it yeah I was just listening to that and they were talking about and I've not seen this but they were talking about a documentary about um, Italian cinema and specifically I think Italian cinema of like the 60s and 70s basically the mm. era of Italian cinema that like today yeah. right now has become like very popular exploitation cinema you know yeah yeah and and th- so I'm the reason I'm bringing all this up is to say I'm recounting this secondhand, secondhand, secondhand. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? But what they said was in that documentary, and I did a little bit of research on this today to look this up, the the like the period from the what is it, like the late sixties to the early eighties, I think, um, was known as the years of lead in Italy. That's uh, kind yeah, of badass. Yeah, the late sixties to the late eighties. But it was because there was like honestly basically it sounds like what's kind of starting to happen in america right now it was like 20 years of like just pure political upheaval and uprest yeah, and like, yeah, yeah like riots in the streets the far left and the far right going to the extremes of kidnapping and bombing and and murder and like like all of this crazy stuff to the point where apparently according to the pure cinema guys the reason we think of the late seventies as kind of like, and I guess the eighties as kind of like the end of Italian cinema, even though that's not true is because Italian cinema did kind of start to die at that time. Cause people literally were afraid to leave their houses and go to the movie theaters. Uh, so the Italian cinemas literally stopped making money and started like closing up and stuff. The industry. That's wild. I did not know that. Die. So you're um, telling me that we're about to get some real badass movies out of America. Maybe. <laughs> and, maybe. and if I, if we can survive, we'll get to see them. Maybe. But I thought that was interesting that like this movie that is is, fascinating. It's one of these movies where like when we watch it now, we go like, oh, clearly this is like born out of the American crime movies. Right. Like that's what all Italian cinema was doing at the time. They were just copying what we were doing and doing it a little bit crazier. Right. That's like the general idea. But then I'm watching this. And for one thing, Death Wish came out the same year as this movie. So while there could be some influence, I don't know how much yeah. there could really be. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's certainly and, not like there was a like Death Wish had made a mark yet. Right. And this movie feels to me like it's dealing with things that are literally just happening in the streets of Italy at the time. Again, knowing very little about this, but doing just some cursory research, you know? I mean, a, a huge difference between this and Death Wish is... The villains in Death Wish are bad because they're bad people who do bad things. Bad, right. bad, 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 bad. Right, right. They're murderers because they're just yep. dyed-in-the-wool murderers and rapists. Bad. Mm-hmm. In this one, we do have those guys, but we also have a few villains that are ex- they they express that this is circumstance. Yes, I don't know. You know his little his buddy that his that buddy comes is along the best character him. in the movie. Great character. They sort of have a little bromance. Yep. It ends in a great like, and we will build our own mechanic shop. Over <laughs> there will be the motors. Dude. And over there we will have all of the trucks. And Dude. and it'll be beautiful. Oh, you picked the biggest the, the biggest warehouse. Yes, it's beautiful, isn't it? We'll never see Paris, but we will fix yeah. all of the cars together, yes. you and me. It's so Dude. good. It's incredible. It's so good. It's so good. But I love that that they did make time for like, yeah, yeah this guy's a criminal, but when we hear his story, it's yes. the same as a lot of people that, you know, like 
<laughs> there's a reason why American recidivism rates are so high. It's because right. we don't listen to that kind of shit. Yeah. And we take people out of a bad situation and put them in a worse one in the name of either being punitive or, you know, pick up your bootstraps. And then we find that there's just generational awfulness coming out of this. And so for this to speak to that, whereas Death Wish is just like, yeah, the hoodlums, yeah. blow them up. Well, is definitely it, a huge gulf in, in, in tonal and thematic difference that I think gives Street Law the edge. And in particular, you know, the fact that Nero's character responds to that information, right? Like yeah. our, our, our quote unquote hero character, when this kind of, to, to kind of recount at least this part of the plot, um, you know, Franco Nero is the victim of a pretty violent crime. Uh, a bank is robbed that, he, or it's a post office is robbed that he's standing in exchanging some money at the time. And the the criminals that rob the place grab him, put him in their getaway car and make him their hostage. They hit him a few times. I think they like really beat him up when they let him out of the car eventually. Oh, yeah. Right. They like really, they full on like mug him when they let him out of the car. It's a, it's a, it's a violent thing that happens to him. And I believe by the way, having seen this a second time, Later in the movie, I think it's revealed that that very first house that's being broken into in that opening montage is his house. Uh, okay. They, they show them tearing apart like a specific document that we later see framed on his wall, and it looks like it's been repieced together from being torn apart. I wonder, when he looked at that document, yeah. because it was dubbed and not subtitled, Yeah. Um, I thought that that there was something being that was on that document, like in Italian, that I just right. didn't understand because he I looks at it and lingers it on it. That makes more sense. I think that's what it is. It's letting yeah. us know that, like, he wasn't just the victim of this one really bad crime. He has been the victim already. Multi like, this is happening so much that he's multiple times been victimized already. He's so mad about it that he's going to stand up to them. And when his... When his lovely, uh, w uh, not wife, I guess it's like his girlfriend. Girlfriend, says, I guess. Hey, don't do that. He hits her in the face. Dude, yes. <laughs> I mean, this insane. is insane. Well, and this is where, I mean, and I, I do want to um, uh, remind me to get back to his conversation with his friend. But this is where what you're talking about, like him hitting that woman is like, this movie is really weird and messy, right? Like this yeah. movie is difficult to wrestle with because, and I think it's doing that on purpose, right? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. He, he hits That's her. Also, we got to think that is like, I don't want to say it's a cultural thing to single out a culture, but like slapping a woman into sense is like, you know, it's the same as, as now where it's, I'm trying to think of a good example. It's just one of those things that happened in movies that we didn't quite reckon with. Like we didn't just go, come on, that's fucking horrible. Well, um, it was just, it was like a thing, you know? I, I actually think, I'm starting to realize, I think there's this weird thing where, I, I think the reason that happens in a lot of 70s, because it's 70 movies specifically, I think. Yeah, they do it quite of, a like, bit. You know, like Chinatown has that too, right? He slaps yeah. some sense into her and stuff. I, I genuinely think that those things are meant to make us as an audience go like, oh, that's like, this makes me uneasy about this character. But I think I mean, I, it certainly enhances the experience when I read it with that lens, yeah. whether it's purposeful or not. Well, and I think it was purposeful. And I think there's this weird thing with our generation where we got raised on this idea that like uh, those things happened because it was a different time. And yeah, I don't yeah. know that that's necessary. I'm starting to realize I don't know that that's true. I think we got told that a lot. Yeah, so that yeah, yeah. a bunch of adults could excuse their own shitty behavior. Interesting. I think that in a lot of these movies, they were perfectly aware that you shouldn't be hitting women, and they're doing that on purpose to make us like uncomfortable with these characters. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I, just, that's like a thing I'm starting to think recently. It very much works to think of it that way. Here, the only thing that would make me go against it that kind of made me laugh is yeah. when later he's like, you know, sorry about that last night, and she's just like, eh. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, okay, so this is common. Uh, yes. But no, I you very well could be right. It is because it, it is like. 
I, I would like to think, I would like to think that we realized that it was wrong to hit your spouse uh, less recently than yes. than my supposition would be. I just don't know if I have that much faith in humanity. <laughs> well, and I don't think you're wrong that it was certainly more, except the further back yeah. you go, it's more acceptable, right? Like that is definitely, yeah. I think, a fact. Um, but I, I think it was probably, anyway, I think it was probably Look, still like meant to and make And it us came like, with the idea of like women are inherently yeah. going to be crazy and sometimes you just got to hit them with the hard reset (laughs) and it's like and that's you know that's a that's a stereotype that that we still work to to pull away from which is why i would think that it's dated but i do think you're onto something because i I think it speaks to his character in that he's very he's very prideful but he doesn't really have anything to back it up except that stack of cash and that is the type of person who at resistance to i need to assert myself might end up hitting their spouse. Yes, I do. Yeah, so it does make sense. I think this movie is actually like trying to be like kind of muddy and messy about this stuff, right? Like, it, I'm it, into it. If my understanding, again, and it's so cursory, like I really read some Wikipedia today, basically, but like, if my understanding of the time in which this movie was like made and came out is even like remotely accurate, this movie is giving us a protagonist that like I personally don't think I could really ascribe a particular politic to right like he seems to be a child of the quote-unquote revolution right like Mm. he he seems to be into these revolutionary ideas early in the movie yet we're also aware i think as the movie goes on he's like kind of a rich dude like he's one of he's one of the people that gets to be liberal and part of the revolution because in actuality he's protected from it by yeah. his money and status and you know what I mean? Like, and I think one of the key things is the reason he gets singled out at the bank and beaten up further is because he doesn't hit the deck when they get, when everyone yes. gets told to hit the deck yes. and he goes to grab his yep. stack of money that was on yep. the, you know, on the counter. Totally agree. Yes. And he even says that too, like when right before he hits his spouse, when she was like, come on, it's just money. And he's like, I sweat for that money. Yes. You know, and it's very much a point of pride that it's like, no, I did the work. But yes. it also, when you look at him, you call into question, like, define work. Like, you, you know, you're clearly an engineer. you clearly yep. done it smart. But, like, do you sweat for that work? Right. Or are you in a position where, you, you know, you've earned an elevated status? Yes. I, I really think this movie is, like, trying to get us to wrestle with this, this sort of character that, quote, unquote, our protagonist or whatever. But, like, this character that I think I could equally argue that he's meant to be fully representative of the rich right wing or fully representative of like the dumb liberal left. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he could fit either. I think you could rightfully argue either side of that. And I think the movie wants him to be that messy of a character so that as we dig into this kind of like, this movie's about criminality, right? And like literally that word criminality, because like that word, like kind of specifically is like, you know, what is it to be a criminal? Could someone be, criminal in their nature right yeah and and i think this movie is like kind of investigating this idea of criminality of like who really are the criminals who really because again as you were suggesting like some of the villains in this movie are just straight up cops are just straight up like cops that are protecting uh like gangsters you know and then some of the villains are gangsters and like purely evil gangsters but then some of our characters are like this uh, guy that he meets who is a criminal um, he, he, I forget how he meets him exactly, but like he's definitely shown. It's when he's hunting the group. He's like yes. a guy who who turns out to be connected to them. And he's got like a repeat um, record. That's how he was able to like track. Yeah, him he's down, got a right? repeat record, and he sees him doing 
you know, like a handoff of a jewelry yeah, store robbery that's right. with one of the guys that he's tailing. That's right. That was that's another right. point, though, where the details were murky because it was told through headlines that were not translated. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I just kind of had to, you know, woo, dance with it a little bit. I do. I like that, dude. This, I mean, this movie gets into so much weird, nitty gritty, gross detail where it's like, you know, he's straight up stalking these criminals in order oh, to yeah. try and like find his mark, right? Like he immediately starts becoming a criminal himself in order to try and combat what he sees as a criminal response by the police to mm -hmm. the crimes committed against him. Basically. And the police too, like a lot of the police do it out of greed. Yep. A lot of the police do things where it's like, listen, we're letting the small one go to get the big yep. fish. Yep. You know, like we're pardoning you not because you're right. We're pardoning you because we don't want copycats. Yes. You know, like which in and of itself is a criminal act because what was I? I think I was reading something the other day and someone made the point that was just like a law is only a law if it's enforced. <laughs> and so that redefines what it means to be a criminal. Uh, like Alex Grubard had that great joke about smoking weed and they were like, Oh, you did something wrong. He was like, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just doing something illegal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, like yeah. that's, that's a really clever way to put it because it's like, yeah, it's only wrong because the law says it's wrong. If the law, right. if the law isn't enforced, then it's not wrong. Right. But just because a law enforces, you know, enforces on it might make it criminal doesn't necessarily make it wrong. Right. So there's like a lot of gray area there. And I think that this movie really does wallow in that gray area on all of these social forces. Yes. You know, because he is our protagonist. He is our good guy, but he's not necessarily a good guy. Right. Um, but he's fighting for what he sees as justice. Yes. But what someone else, what the cops see as vengeance, but the yes. cops forgive his crimes to yes. prevent further. It, like there, it's everything is, is tied. That's not in, in Death Wish. It's right, certainly exactly. not in Death Wish 5. Yes, yes, exactly. It's like those movies, the American version of this doesn't feel as complex as this, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you might rightfully just say that that means this movie is messy, but I, I do think this movie is like kind of intentionally trying to muck around in that mess. You know oh, yeah. I mean? um, and now, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, Tori's podcast just did a thing on Widows. I, yes, I didn't yeah. listen to it, but I did see the thing. Widows is very much a heist movie that is all about how the entire system's messy and implicit and all that. It's yeah. Or yeah. complicit. It's, it's wild. I agree. Uh, so uh, I want to get to this. Um, the, the actor's name is Giancarlo uh, Prete. I think uh, he plays the Tommy. 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 Uh, whose name uh, Franco Nero says like a thousand times throughout the movie. Tommy, I mean, my in friend. the final scene, he says it about a thousand yes. times. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Wait, so, his, he sounds very, very familiar. What is he in? Giancarlo. Oh, he was in Lady Hawk. Yeah. He's in Warriors of the Wasteland. So, Oh, sure. Yeah, we've actually seen him in a couple movies, haven't we? Yeah, Escape from the Bronx, seen that. Yeah, yeah nice. he's in a couple movies I've seen. Uh, he's very good in this, and his character, Tommy, uh, as we were suggesting, is this like criminal, that Franco Nero's character. What's his character's name? Um, Carlo. Uh, Carlo. Carlo. Carlo Antonelli basically stalks some criminals finds one that he's able to blackmail essentially into getting him some guns that's tommy he blackmails tommy into getting him some guns um and but eventually through the course of that kind of ends up having to like work with and befriend tommy mm -hmm. and they have this great conversation it might be my favorite scene in the movie it was the one you referenced earlier dan where tommy kind of explains that like no look dude i'm not trying to fucking kill anybody I'm trying to like pull a couple of jobs that will get me enough money to live comfortably. Do you understand that? Like the reason I'm doing this is because of like some dumb thing I was put away for early in my life yeah. and now can't get the job that you have. So I have to do this in order to have any kind of future. 
and like and and to the credit of the character Carlo, like he actually receives that information and like understands because of his own experience getting mugged and having the police not respond to that in the way that he would consider just he realizes that Tommy is also the victim of an unjust system. Mm-hmm. That being a criminal does not necessarily mean you are literally criminal, right? And That's I think exactly he feels he feels a, a, a little bit of guilt because he's yeah. essentially holding a crime over his head. Yep. He's abusing the same abusive system yep. to, to get him to act. You know, he ultimately, yeah. like, gives him some money. And, and as you said, it, it seems to be, like, this weird act of, like, uh, sympathy or, or whatever, right? Like, maybe a little guilt on his part. But it does seem to come from a, like a, a significant understanding of like he suddenly seems to realize like oh I do have a lot and it is just because of my status and it would help this man to never have to commit a crime again if he just had this lump of money that I don't need. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean like he he seems to have an actual understanding of like this system that is currently failing me also failed this man. Mm-hmm. And that has made him a criminal, quote unquote. I mean, and at that moment, uh, Carlo is is realizing, like, I, I have to make peace with the fact, if I'm going to do this, that I am indeed a criminal now. Right, yeah. I am a criminal. I have done it. Like, yeah. I've, I've gone through this same journey. I just have a little more means yep. as, I, as I go about it. Yeah. And then the movie gets so much more dramatically interesting when, because yeah. that's, like, maybe, like, halfway through the movie that, like, this all kind of happens. And then it kind of turns into, like, his desperation to, like, have some sort of retribution at the end of all of this mm-hmm. that leads to him actually cr- killing somebody and that becoming a huge problem for him, for Tommy, for, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, like and Tommy even says that too. Like there's the scene where Tommy kind of, uh, not necessarily rats him out, but like puts him in the path of these guys yep. and then sets him free saying like, listen, I didn't know they were going to kill you, yes. but I cannot have your death on my hands. Yep. Because that's like that's that's his line of like yes. I'm a criminal by by necessity, but if I have death on my hands because of vengeance against you, yeah. that's beyond the pale for me. I cannot do that. Yep. Yeah. I I I don't know. I I found that relationship. It's incredibly in depth. Very interesting. And that kind of came out of nowhere too, because I really just thought he was gonna like I, I didn't I didn't give the movie credit that it was gonna be like this because. Yeah. It was compared to Death Wish so frequently. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, he's going to exploit this guy for guns. We're supposed to get off on the fact of, ha, 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 he's sticking it to this guy and getting benefit from him. And then he's going to blow away the, the guys that he's really after. And so then for that guy to become the co-lead yes. was very surprising to me. And it yeah. wasn't until he was like in the picture for like a good 30 minutes that I was like, oh, he's here to stay. This is actually... This right. is part of like the thematic richness going on here. Very surprising when that happened. I agree. But it, it definitely made it like, I guess until that point, I, I loved the movie until that point, but I was just like, all right, this better let rip soon. And then when that guy introduced, I was like, oh, let's hold off on the letting it rip. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. like now I'm actually like, I kind of care. There's we, something, there's something interesting here. It, what, what was interesting for me was watching it the first time I was like, yeah, cool exploitation movie. Like I like exploitation movies like this. It's got a killer soundtrack. It's got some good action. I like watching Franco Nero be hot on screen. You Amazing know I mean? stunt work. Yes. The yes. car chases are awesome. Wah. Awesome. But the thing was like, I watched it and that was how I felt about it. I was like, cool, cool exploitation movie. Rewatching it. I feel like the structure made sense to me the second time i feel yeah, like the yeah. first time i felt like i was just being brought along for the ride yeah, in the yeah, way yeah that a lot of exploitation movies are just like now we're doing this now we're doing this now we're doing this you know you're just like 
getting sucked down the path of the movie. Seeing it a second time, it was like, this movie has an actual structure, which yeah. is like established the crime of the world that this all exists in, right? It opens on that montage, which is so fucking great, of all those crimes happening throughout oh, the Oh, yeah. <laughs> they just hit a guy and he falls down the steps, and but they have the nice frames. freeze frame. Yeah, 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 so good. It's like, it's so good. Uh, and, 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 you know, then the crime happens to Franco Nero's character. Then he tries to report it and gets turned down by the cops. So then he starts stalking some criminals in order. Basically, it was like what felt like a series of almost non sequiturs in watching it a second time. I was like, this is all like carefully structured to yeah. build to the big climax. I would like to watch it again, knowing what I know now. Yeah, because as I was watching it the first time, I was very much like, oh, yeah, these are the pieces to set up the most gratuitous and viscerally primally satisfying revenge ever. We're going to yeah. watch him turn into a hardcore badass unleash bloody justice and then i go to bed going oh that was badass you yeah. know but we shouldn't yeah. behave that way yeah, and yeah. so you know but like you, uh, knowing what i what i know as of three quarters of the way through the movie until now i yeah. cannot wait to rewatch it because whereas the thematic stuff really became clear i mean it's not a subtle movie right uh, where it became clear i would like to watch it knowing how to watch it because it wasn't until it was you know much of the way through that i was like oh i know how to watch it you know, uh, and I'm you know, good at jiving with that, but it was definitely, I, I, I mean, I'm glad I bought it because I can't wait to watch it again. You're making me realize that it is the Tommy character that sort of causes this, like, I'm going to call it dissonance for now, for lack of a better word, where I have the same thing. It, I, I didn't realize when he was stalking these guys, like how important they would be to the movie. So mm. I thought we were just looking at like the next small event. That yeah, is actually he's building like, the pieces of his revenge. Yeah, yeah, but it's actually like it's literally the kind of setup for what the real movie is going to be mm -hmm. is that stalking sequence, you know? So it was like the structure became a lot more clear to me, I feel like, on a second viewing. And it gave the movie like a little more power, a little more heft that I was like, oh, this isn't just like schlock Italian entertainment. Yeah, we like, didn't just film this to get a car chase and some yeah. squibs in there. There's yeah. actually a function for yeah. this beyond, you know, surface level thrills. Yes, to the movie's credit, I think what actually makes it like maybe a great movie is that it has so much of the surface level thrills in addition to all of this, oh, right? Oh, yeah. There's fucking, it's like, got that great shot of him running in slow motion dude, as the car's chasing uh, him. Oh, it's like, with the one on the back of the box, yeah. Yes, yes. But that uh, is like pure magic. And that's, by the way, that's like the third or fourth car chase in the movie. There's two car chases in the first like yeah. half hour of this movie. It's extended and, and incredible car chases. And they're good. Yeah, they're like they're yeah, good. They're, they're really well, well done. They're exciting. The Sweet little Alfa Romeos rolling over end over end. Yeah, Beautiful. And, and uh, you know, that sequence uh, that is pictured on the back of your, your Blu-ray where he's in slow-mo running from the car, I'm fairly certain from the way that that's all shot, there's definitely a stunt double being used there. But there are also Not always, yeah. definite shots where Nero is just on the hood of a car getting fucking driven around that like that weird lot that they're in like he's definitely doing some of his own stunt work there and it's pretty impressive it's so badass it's yeah. so badass but no I, I think you're right this is this is one of those movies that i i think is gonna have a lot of rewatch value just because you learn how to watch it then you notice more like one of the things that i struggled with i was like why do they keep going back to this gambling yes hall? yes what, what is the point of this i do like and i liked the scenes they were very fun and all that yeah but then once uh, Tommy gives a speech about like, you know, how he's not, you know, he's just doing this. To, I was like, oh, OK, this, that's supposed to show another le level of this corruption of yes. 
there's an under because even when they're they're taking like the head, I'll call him Mob. I don't know if he was Mob, right? right. But as they're taking him in, he's talking to the press, and he was just like, "Well, I'll be home tomorrow. Yep. Don't even worry about it." Dude, <laughs> I don't know why I made him a New Yorker, <laughs> but like it's that's that's kind I'm, of what you know. I'm totally with it you. It adds to that theme where I was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Yep. Yeah, that's neat how they all agree to wrap up the gambling thing, and it's just a matter of timing because it's like, oh, so games are illegal, but billiards is cool. Right, you know, right, like yes. like it's it's such a tiny little thin thing where it's like, well, yeah, that one law is being enforced, therefore criminal. That other yeah. law isn't being enforced, and uh, well, it's but in the texture of the movie, it ends up becoming meatier because of it. It's totally agreed, and I, I'm with you. Actually, one of one of the most memorable moments of the movie for me, for some reason, is him getting the the as you called him like the mob boss or whatever, like getting taken away by the cops, and him in like a very friendly manner being like. Well, I'll be back home soon, not to worry, yeah. folks. And literally as if, like, he's... It, I was like, wow, that's actually, like... I never thought about this before, but, like, if you are a mob boss, that is actually the smart way to behave and perform because what he's trying to communicate to anyone that may be seeing this happen in the press or whatever is, like, the violent bad guys yeah. are the police taking me in. I may be gambling. I'm just gambling. Yeah, everybody's I'm, happy. We're just making some I'm money. I'm your friendly neighborhood gambler. That's who come, I am. Come on because, down to my basement yeah, gambling yeah. room. Yes. I love when the cops, the first time when the cops come in and they clean it up and he's just like, oh, you want to play some billiards? Blah, <laughs> yeah. blah, blah. But, and they're like, oh, I'll get you next time, Gadget. And yeah. then he, he, you know, pieces out. Then the second time when they actually catch him, um, the, the mob guy just says straight to the cop, he's like, hey, can I interest you in a game? <laughs> like, he's just super, like, yeah, like, like you really think you're going to shut this down? And yeah. what's crazy is you can tell the cop knows, like, yeah, this is a small win, but, like, this isn't shut down. Yep. Yep. This is delayed, yep. and that's it. That's all it'll ever be. Yep, this is uh, for show. Yeah, this is for show. This is so that we can look like we're busting criminals. Yep. They'll be back out tomorrow. We can put it on the books, and status quo is maintained. Yep. And, like, th- and I think that, now that I say it like that, I, I like those scenes even more because it's like, of course they're there. Because I think that's what this story is, is uh, Carlo's status quo has been upset. Yeah. And in trying to get it back to normal, he, he upsets it further. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's the grin that he gives at the end of the movie when he hears another upset citizen basically repeating his dialogue from earlier in the movie is he was, quote unquote, a revolutionary when the movie started. Yeah. But now at the end of the movie, he has actually started a revolution, perhaps, right? Like perhaps, but also too, the big, powerful, giant system put him right back in his place, reestablished the status quo, and was just like, no, no ideas. Don't get right, any ideas right. from that. You are on thin ice as it is. Yep. Sign the paper. Go home. Go to work. Mm-hmm. Shut up. And yep. it's and he'd be an idiot not to take that deal. Yeah, especially after what he went through, right? Like, after what he saw of both the cops and the criminals and after contributing to a man's murder, you know? Like, he he would be stupid not to, you know? Yeah, well, and I think that speaks, too, a lot about, like, his privilege is that, you know, him and Tommy do end up killing the bad guys. Yes. But he also gets this unfortunate guy that he roped into his own scheme against as well. He, He gets Tommy killed. Yes. You know, like whether directly or indirectly is irrelevant. Tommy would still be alive and, you know, trying to build his uh, his uh, mechanic shop if not for Franco Nero's little boner for vengeance. Yes. yes. And, and so and so it's like it's kind of depressing because it's like the system stopped him. 
but the system also protected him. But the system did nothing to protect Tommy. Right. Yes. You know, and, 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 and you're right. It's it, like his privilege is getting to sign a paper at the end of this and go home. Yeah. Had Tommy survived, there would be no such paper for Tommy. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. And it's like it comes from his privilege. It comes from his money. Yeah. And it comes from the fact that the, the, the only like little little hole in the armor there is that it also comes from the fact that Franco Nero had proof of police corruption yes, and yes. they were just like, eh. but I mean, that's almost neither here nor there. Like that's, that's as a plot device, I think is also part of it. But yeah. as a thematic device, I think it's very important to note that it's like Tommy was not ever once cared for by the system, right. no matter what the motivation for that care was. Right. Whereas, you know, I think it stands to reason that even if Carlo didn't have some juice on the cops being dirty, it still could have ended exactly the same way. Yeah. And where they just say like, listen, no more, no mas. That's yeah. it. You know, like just go. The last thing we want to do is be seen prosecuting some upstanding citizen. And the last thing that we want is an upstanding citizen to be seen as a hero. So go to work. Go yeah. back to work and shut up. And it's like that just screams powerful system and privilege together. Yeah. Uh, I Sorry, I'm I'm uh, getting slightly distracted as we talk here only because. Are you just looking at his beautiful blue eyes? No, I wish. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to get for us the composer's names. Because oh, um, I have I, been. I shazammed it over and over again. And it's actually kind of interesting because uh, the one song that they kind of go back on. Yeah. is called Goodbye, My Friend by yep. Guido and Mauricio DeAngelis. Yes, But yes. when I shazammed it, you'll notice that it came up as part of the soundtrack of the rock movie, Whoa, Faster. That's Which I have not seen. I've Me actually either. heard that it's like a decent little movie. Me too. But I imagine that if it's purposefully trying to directly reference street law there's probably it's probably worth watching there's probably a lot of fun stuff in there Dude, if yes. the filmmakers are clearly interested or at least in some way influenced by this i'm actually well, gonna look up who directed that and i will watch any movie that this music is in i think this music is fucking incredible uh it's like, so good i really really dig like there's basically three songs in this movie that get used kind of over and over again in different ways that kind of get like repurposed throughout the movie over and over. Um, yes. By, by, by the, I don't know if they're brothers or what, but by DeAngelis, we'll just call them. Uh, yeah. They also, by the way, did the music for torso, uh, okay. which I don't know if you'll recall the music in that movie, but it's wildly different. It's very like, uh, serene and, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what you would call it, but it's not this I'm, kind I'm of trying like, to just, to figure out if I've ever seen Torso. I'm oh. familiar with it. I, I don't know if I've ever seen it. Have I seen it? Uh, I don't know. We I saw it at an Exhumed event that I feel like you oh. might have been at. Yeah, I have seen it because I'm scrolling through the pictures. This looks very familiar. But as we all know, Exhumed events are often a yes. cloud. They're, they're yes. impossible to yes. remember. Yes, it's about. the Scarf Strangler. Yes, I've yes. seen it. Yeah. Uh, good movie. The music is like very... Yeah, I don't know. It's just so different from this music. And I was like very impressed when I found out that they had also done that. But I just think the music for this movie kicks fucking ass and is like used really well in the movie and not just like in a sense of like, um, oh, it's used at the right time for the right. It's like edited to very well. Yeah. It's well, like, like we it's, talked about earlier. Yes. But yeah. Where are the cops? Yeah. <laughs> These fucking cops. Yeah. It's just so good. It's so great. I really, really, I, I just like this movie 
is kind of a like perfect genre exercise for me. Yeah. Where it's it, it's technically what's this genre called? Polizetechi or something like something that. Something like um, that. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's like it is doing the genre stuff so well. Gray music, big stunts, just everything feels like it's on cocaine. But it's like also an actual movie that's like about some things that I found very interesting. Oh yeah. And I feel like when I came to a lot of this like quote unquote Italian exploitation cinema. I came to it with the notion that like it's bad, but it's fun because it's bad. And yeah, and then some of it's good. Like, well, I mean, yeah. we had the same issue with the mercenary where I was yeah. like, oh, this is gonna be a neat little western. Yeah, some style, and then by the end, I was like, no, this is a really smart story about redemption yes. and an honor code, and like much more than a lot of American westerns have seen. I mean, that's what I'm finding is that I think um, the way that we might talk about some of this Italian cinema. Um, might undersell some of it, and it's not that it's not that you know, like Bronx Warriors is a fucking insane movie that it yeah. just actually feels like cocaine got filmed, you know. Well, but that like, was just them trying to do a do a Mad Max, right. yeah. Um, but like, so it's not that that doesn't exist, but I I think at least I was almost like unfairly coming to all of it that way, and am and am now coming to a very uh, 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 wonderful realization that like there's some real cinema here that goes beyond just like. Ah, this is fun to watch with my friends and point at and ha, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's not just a thrill. Yeah, I started I because I, it, these last two, the mercenary and this, like, have surprised me in that way. Yeah, and it's funny because like after I saw Face to Face at that exhumed event, which I just loved, like such a killer western, so thematically rich, uh, has such a great heel turn, and and it, it's just so good. I, I bought a DVD of that because it's not on any other format. Nice, and it's one of those things where like. Because of that, I'm more inclined to come at these things with an open mind. Yeah. But there's still a defense that yeah, has yeah. to be broken down. And so I'm consistently surprised. But, like, I am very incentivized at the moment to really look out for more. Like, I want to look yeah. at some more Castellari and things like that. Just because there's, you know, for every New Warriors, you're going to find, you know, something like this. Yeah. I wanted to say about the music, one of yeah, the please. things that I find interesting about it is it's not often that you hear lyrics in a score Agreed. and often when you do especially in a movie like this the lyrics are sort of about the movie yeah which is very very common in black exploitation films mm -hmm. and so even though this isn't necessarily a black exploitation film i mean the soundtracks to i, I mean <laughs> this is gonna sound like so pointless but like shaft is very much like you know the song literally just sings about shaft not the yeah. best example but i, I struggle to find one yeah. But I was looking at the director of that movie, Faster, yes. um, and which uses this song. And so the director is George Tillman Jr. Okay. And he is a black guy that does black cinema. The Hate You Give, Notorious. Oh, um, okay, yeah. He, he executive produced Mudbound, an yep. underseen D. Reese movie, which rules that everyone needs to see. about this, yeah. Um, but he, like, produced barbershops and stuff like that. So, like, of course this guy is going to have some sort of black exploitation knowledge. And so that connection of a soundtrack song that sings about the plot is yeah. very much in, I'd imagine, his stylistic influence skill set. Yeah. And I and I think that there's a connection to black exploitation here that is stronger than the connection to something like, you know, a death wish. That's interesting. Yeah. I actually I really like that kind of like thought experiment of of uh uh, uh th this having like because, you know, in my mind, black exploitation is like kind of a distinctly like American phenomenon. So it's like yeah. it's this interesting. I, lo I love I mean, thinking... so are Westerns, really. Yes. But yes. the best ones weren't made here. 
Right. I know. It's like I love the um the symbiosis that I feel like the more I, I find out about like film history and stuff, it's like mm. it, it always feels like, oh, I think like when I watch Halloween and go like, wow, I can't believe uh, John Carpenter invented a genre. And then, like, you know, find out that, like, in Italy, they had been making movies like that for, like, a decade already. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, so John Carpenter saw some <laughs> Italian movies and then made a movie, huh? You know and then he mean? sued them for the rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, it's very man gotta get paid. to realize there's more of a conversation being had, yeah. I think, among uh, uh, um, uh, cineasts, like, at all times, you know? And I think, too, the themes that we're talking about here in Street Law are very, very, they're themes that are very forward in black exploitation cinema. Yeah. Uh, you know, white cinema didn't have the conversation of, hey, criminals aren't necessarily inherently genetically bad right. until quite recently. And oftentimes that is still absent, you know, yeah. whereas black exploitation very much is about the system back in the day. Sometimes the messages are ham fisted, but the idea is still very strongly like we can't trust the system because the system was not designed around us, you know? And yeah, yeah. I think that there is a little bit of that DNA in street law, which is just like this system is fucked and to act like you can just sit back and trust it implicitly is a fool's errand, especially if you're somebody on the fringes, which in America can translate to a racial thing. And so uh, the connection to black exploitation, I think is quite strong. And you just actually, for some reason, my brain honed in on this, like very specific idea about this movie, which is like, going back to like the structure of the movie and stuff, what this movie is, is a literally a descent into criminality, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's this guy's, dis- it's, it's this guy's descent from like, basically when the system fails him, it begins a process which eventually transforms him into a criminal himself. Right? Yeah. And that's what a lot of black exploitation is about, right? The system failing these people. And so these people having to turn to crime, right? Uh, but what this movie gets to then also put on top of it because it's about a basically like a white man with some kind of power is that like it's a when the system fails somebody they descend into criminality because that's all they have left after the system fails them except when you're a white person with even a little bit of power because then you get to circle back to the top of that system again yeah. at the end you know what i mean yeah. like you you get to basically start over at go if you're a white person when you get to the end of that process and it's almost fueled by like the the ignorance that you have like when you get to trust the system because it's kinder to you, yes, it, it's not until the system, it, it, he doesn't even recognize the system until it fails him. Yes. Whereas there's a whole culture of people represented by Tommy or represented in like a black exploitation film. Yeah. Uh, you know, American blacks just being like, it's a, shit, that's, this is news to you. You're right. yeah, you know, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. news yes. to you that the system's going to fail. Oh, it's news to you. Well, you know, get in line yeah. kid. Cause it's yeah. just, this this system's flawed and you're finally getting to see it yes and but yeah and so in in street law it's as we said before this system it fails everybody but ultimately does end up protecting a few yes and they're exactly who you'd expect yeah um and by the way to get back to just the lyrics and the music which i had to say i actually when i watched this the first time i assumed that these were like needle drops just from like an italian yeah, yeah, yeah. that i had never heard before you know and so then watching it again i was like man this music is really good i gotta look it up found out it's composers that this is all composed and so it's got these lyrics it's really funny thinking about that because really when you like if i had to describe what the score sounded like I, it's like the doors it's like yeah, it's, it bit. sounds like the italian doors 
wrote a couple of songs and like put them in this movie. You know what I mean? Even the way the vocals are used. It's like this weird kind of like shriek singing, you know, it's like, it's really interesting. It's like throaty. uh, I mean, like, you know, whatever, whatever you feel about Jim Morrison, he did come from the world of poetry. Right. So it's very much of that. But I will say that I was now that I'm an owner of drums, uh, and I've been like playing them a lot. I've been thinking in terms of drums. Yeah. So the whole time I was like air drumming to this, and it actually the the way that the drums were played very much reminded me of uh, oh shit. Now I'm not gonna remember that Hendrix song name. Excuse me, you while I kiss the sky. Oh yeah, wait, is that called Kiss the Sky? It's not right. No, it's a uh, Purple Haze. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way that the drums are played in that. Uh, they have this certain pop to them mm-hmm. that is very much in uh, the style. So it is very Dorsey. I would agree with that. But it also has that like 70s funk drum yeah. styling to it. I'm with Crazy you. energy. It, it's so cool. It's so cool. By the way, I just want to take a, a moment to recognize how fun and funny it was for my end to watch you. I think you like took a moment to consider <laughs> that you were about to say now that I'm a drummer. And then you went like, well, I can't say that I'm a drummer. I'll say I'm a drum. <laughs> <I don't> drum. <laughs> Yo, look at these bitches. Whoa. Oh, those are cool. Yeah. Super cool. I've been beating the hell out of them for hours a day. It's like the best thing in the you world. You have fun. Oh, so good. Yeah. Cause I've always been able to drum. Cause I, yeah. I have like natural rhythm, but I just got to learn the skills. And like, I can sit and back a song with a couple beats, yeah. but just sitting down like after a frustrating day of work cranking up some music and just doing my best to follow along but yeah, i great. that's why i shazammed the thing i was like i'm going to beat the hell out of my drums to the <laughs> score it is so legit oh it's so good i love it um uh, you want to move kind of into list territory but i've got like a good transition for us to that yes but i want to ask yeah. one Please. plot question yeah um, and I know nothing about cars. I feel like you probably also know nothing about cars. I know cars. very little about cars. Do Italian cars have a separate key that allows the steering to work? Oh, okay. I don't what know. What is that? Okay, he, I mean, it's, again, as with the rest of the movie, they say everything out loud, so I did, quote-unquote, understand what happened, but I did not understand so, what happened. For he the said, listeners, what yeah. happens is there's a part where where uh, Franco Nero and or Carlo and Tommy yep. uh, are going to go get some information. As it yep. turns out, Tommy is just pretending to set him up with a hooker to distract Carlo long enough that he can drive away. Yep. Carlo has seen, uh, he, he's, he's suspected that, might, that something might be afoot. And so he grabs the key, it appears to be the keys out of the ignition of the car, so that Tommy can't drive away. So, but Tommy does drive away without the keys, but because there's no key, he can't steer. It's and so that's my weird. question is, what's the function here? I couldn't figure it out. And so, I spent some time online looking for it. I have no answers. He's, he says when he starts driving away and then like crashes into that wall, yeah. he shouts like, ah, he locked the wheel and then crashes uh, into the wall. And then when he, and then when, um, Nero comes up, as you suggest, he's got like a key in his own pocket that he pulls out and then, quote unquote, unlocks the wheel. I have no idea if this is a real thing, but I believe what they are trying to imply within the context of the movie is that Carlo has almost like a um, a, a club, but that is like built into the steering wheel itself where he can literally lock and unlock it so that the wheels don't turn. I believe in the context of the movie, that's what they're implying. I have no idea if that's a real thing that exists in real life. My first car was a total junker. Yep. And um, there was a way 
that you could like with the key the key did lock and unlock the wheel yeah but it was the same key in the same ignition that like you could make it so that the wheel was locked yeah but it's not like you could then turn on the car and drive away I understand like, what you're saying. If I pulled out the key, there's a that you, that you yep. lock the wheel into place, yep. and then it can't be turned. But I have the key. Like you're not going to start the car. You just also once the car's running, I can't lock the wheel. At least not in drive. If it's in park, I think you can. So it seems to cancel it out. Like I could lock the wheel, but there's no way to lock it uh, yeah. while the car is in motion, and there's no way to put the car in motion while the thing's locked. But I don't know. I, I just don't, it, I don't know anything about cars. Is it possible Tommy hotwired a car that he had locked the wheel of? I mean, I guess if we're going to speak to the thematic richness of this movie, it could just be suggested that that Tommy is, uh, you know, that Tommy just has a shitty car. It or was be. that? Well, that's what I mean. Tommy's car was a Carlos I, car. Because if it's it Carlos' must, car, then maybe he wired his own car. I think it must be Carlos' car, right? And so yeah. Carlo locks the wheel of his own car, gets out of it. Tommy knows he's trying to run away. Runs down, hot wires Carlo's car because he doesn't have the key. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Only to discover that as he's trying to drive it away, the wheel is locked. I like that explanation. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. It's gotta be that. I'm gonna go with that. This movie's so smart, top to bottom. It's gotta be that tightly wound, right? Like it's third option. Yes, magic car. Yeah, exactly. Third option doesn't. I'm into that too. Yeah, (laughs) could be that. Okay, I I actually like that explanation because yeah, I I just thought maybe it was just a thing about older cars that like like I've never driven stick. Don't know how. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I would have to be taught. You know. Well, you Um, you just reminded me that uh, my old stick car. I I I used to drive stick when I was like 16. My first car was stick. Also had that wheel locking. Now that once you started saying it, I was like, oh yeah, I could do that with my old car. I could lock the wheel. But if it was locked. I would need the key to unlock yep. it. I couldn't yep. get it out of park unless yep. the, you know, is it, you know, I could get it into neutral, but like you're not going to get into, you can't ignite the engine right. from a point of the car being locked. But I think that you might be right. Maybe someone hot-wired. could hotwire the engine to yeah. put the ignition, but it would still be locked. Right. I'm going to go with that. I think that actually is, is probably the answer. Except and I'm just not a gearhead. Yeah. Um, Although I, I can't imagine that level of knowledge requires a fucking gearhead to do. No, it's just no. that I am so sub gearhead, like yeah, well yeah. below that. It was um, very. It was one of those moments in the movie where I was like, I'm kind of glad the this movie is like, you know, an Italian movie that's dubbed in English, where they feel the need to overexplain things because I would not have understood what happened in the yeah. scene had he not been like, ah, he lacked a wheel, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a me. Yeah. <laughs> one of these days, one of these days, we're all going to culturally move on from Mario. When oh, yeah. the Italians of the world speak up and go, hey, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I know that I, I do every time I do any kind of accent, like, yeah. you know, I feel like the last couple of years as I've, I've really sort of, I think just been better about being like kind of aware of other people yeah, and what yeah. they think about things. I've been like, it's just inappropriate to ever do anybody's accents. You know what I mean? I, here's where I draw the line. Like if we were running around doing that kind of thing, yeah. it would be, it would be bad, but doing an impression of Franco Nero as right. we talk about this movie that's not making that's just doing the impression of him so i'm gonna also i just have discovered in this past hour that i can do a decent franco nero impression franco nero yeah it was oh and i want to say this about the final scene too that final shootout i was getting free fire vibes dude me too just because i was like i i get the geography of all of this and it's not particularly bombastic with the way it's being shot but it has given me because like if you remember free fire there's very little by way of you know, 
barrel to to target action yes. of the camera, but it establishes that geography so well that you can just do a ping and you get it. And I, I very much felt that here. I was like, this is uncommonly well, well, uh, just well realized yeah. and, and well shot. Dude, totally agree. And I had the exact same thought both times I watched it. I was like, this feels like what Free Fire is entirely as a movie. Like, you yeah, know, um, free. Not. I mean, I'm sure there are lots of movies that end in shootouts in warehouses. Um, but in something about this movie in particular, I was like, this feels like a pretty significant influence on. As you're suggesting, like Free Fire's ability to kind of like create geography where there is none, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a lot of movies you would expect to kind of like hold your hand to sh- like because you, you can't see bullets right. unless you do bullet time, and yeah. you can't do bullet time for every bullet, right? You know, and so it comes down to like sound editing and just a knowledge of the geography. Yeah. Um, you can whip the camera around, you know, a couple times, but. Even that, like that's just that'll get sloppy and tiresome after a while. But you also can't be cryptic enough about the geography where you're like, yeah, it's just noise, and and I'll I'll, I'll wait for the squibs to tell me what's going on. Yeah. And this was never like that. I always yep. knew it was happening and where, and it's just beautifully shot. And and Free Fire is a great example of that. But yeah, I it was yeah. very 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 clean. I was very into that. Um. So I think like a really nice transition point here is to kind of circle back around to almost what we started with, which is just Nero's performance in this movie, I think, is really good, especially after I've now seen, you know, like three or four other Nero movies yeah, yeah. Uh, where he's playing the Django character, his character in The Mercenary and seeing him catch in, up on those Django's. I've seen one. They're fun. They're yeah. cool. Um, they're, like he so his performance I in this. I've seen one. Yeah. He's meant to be, you know, like literally just like Joe average, you know, like I honestly my read on him is that and I know he's an engineer in the movie, supposedly yeah. but like he seems like a college professor to me. Like that's yeah. like the closest thing I could like compare him to. Right. He's like he plays ideal citizen. Yes, exactly. And that is not a thing that I think of when I think of him. And he's not only good at it, he's like really good at it in this movie. He by the end of the movie, as you suggested, he's not become the action hero right yeah like he does perform in some quote-unquote action hero type ways but like always clumsily and, and yeah. like i think his characters are typically like they have that like i'm too cool and i'm one step ahead you're not gonna yes. you're not gonna catch me you know you're not yes. gonna and this guy is is terminally once one to two mm-hmm. steps behind mm-hmm. and sometimes he's haggard sometimes he's uh, honestly when at the very beginning of the movie in the bank scene i just yeah. was like wow he if not for the fact that he's such a recognizable guy, he doesn't actually feel to me like Franco Nero, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, like, he it, doesn't it, capture that vibe, and that's pretty intense to do when you're Franco Nero. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that he is able to commit to that through this whole movie, where it feels like this movie would be an easy mark for him eventually, you know, developing into the, yeah. the macho Franco Nero, you know? Like the fact that he commits so hard to like, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm Joe average. Like I'm, I'm just this guy is really incredible. I think like he, he's very, very good in this. Yeah. Agreed. It, it was, it, it felt if not for his super recognizable face and his baby blue eyes, yeah, it, I, he didn't. Cause like Franco Nero always seems to be like, Oh, I'm going to, he's going to have some scruff. I'm going to yep. smell cigarettes on him and he's going to be a little sweaty. And yep. none of that was here. 
Yeah. And that's very, very weird because he's such an iconic presence. And he even and, has... and like you said, he could have become by the end like badass action man. Yeah. But he's not. He's instead, we were together. We were built this, this, Dude, this, I mean, this shop together. You that's what I was just going to say. I mean, I, over the last like 30 to 45 minutes of this movie, he gets into this like real desperation that you can read on his face and his body in the way that he moves. Mm. He starts like panting at one point. Like he can't even catch his breath while he's trying to talk to someone. Like it's some really intense physical acting, you know, when, when he first, uh, when he first kills the first guy after yeah. he chases him with the car and all that. And Tommy's scolding him, just saying like, you know, now you've done it. You've blown yeah. it. You've crossed yeah. the line, blah, blah, blah. And he's sitting there. He is utterly dejected. Yes. He's he's bloodied up, but he just looks horrified. Like, what the fuck have I done? Who yeah. am I? What have I become? Yeah. And like for the thematic richness of this movie, that needs to be sold. Yeah. And sold surprisingly well. Yeah, Not yeah, to yeah. speak ill of his talent, but I mean, oh, yeah. more to speak of positively of just his huge image. Yeah. And, and the depths of his talent, you know, like yeah. you would... Based on his huge image, you you would maybe expect that, like, yeah, he probably couldn't do a role like that necessarily, you know. And it's mm. like he he like not only can he do it, he commits to it so hard, and then just gets to those like these real deep levels. I think of uh, of a kind of desperation that just I don't know. Both times I saw it, I was like, this is some like really intense shit, you know. Like, yeah. he's good at this. Yeah, um, he do, he does some acting. He doesn't just now. I wouldn't say that he's never doing acting, but right, it's right. you know. It, we're inclined to look at his body of work and and realize that there's a type. Yeah, and, well, these action but guys he's can really acting, and these action guys can coast on their image, right? That's yeah. part of what we like about them. Yes, that's not yeah, an exactly. insult. That's part of what we like about them, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, he plays against his image here and like remarkably well, um, which is what we wanted to talk about. And I would say that in my list, a few of the entries actually sort of are that. As yeah. opposed to a badass playing non-badass, it's yes. an actor whose image is related to badass actually, you know, do, doing, and I don't want to say that they're not doing work, but in these instances, like, you can really see the work that they're doing because yeah. it's not image-based. So it's, it's yeah. like a little bit of that. Yeah, I agree. In there my, too. my list is, uh, like I said, I feel like, so our list today is just, you know, um, basically screen badasses that played normal at some point. Yeah, it's kind of the way playing I, against I, type. Yeah, playing against type is kind of the way I phrased it. And I have, like, maybe one that I'm really proud of here. A lot of these, I think, are going to be very cursory, what you might think of right away when I give you this topic. Yeah. But, I, but but that should give us at least, like, enough to talk about here. So Yeah, I have a few. I think I have seven on my list. One of them is a movie I haven't even seen, and one of them is kind of a joke. Yeah. But uh, so the other five are, are... Well, you know what? I'll just do this then. Go ahead. The one I haven't seen is Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman, oh, the movie either. that he won his Oscar for. Yeah. And I know it's largely considered like the we're sorry we couldn't give you the Oscar for The Godfather. Here you go. Yeah. I can't speak to that, though, because I have not seen it. Um, yep. I, I've seen he gives like a big speech in it. And I've seen that. and It's quite good. Yeah. But he plays a blind man. Oh, and, okay. I didn't um, know that. But he plays now not that title makes sense badass. to me. Yes, uh, <laughs> but he plays very much not a badass, as yeah. I understand it. And not that Pacino always plays badasses, but I guess this was like 1990, I want to say 92 or something like that. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm not sure. It was early to mid-90s. Um, he did have the image of Al Pacino! You know? Yeah, yeah. And so for him to do a softer thing was sort of that. And then my joke one is just Mark Wahlberg in The Happening. 
Oh my um, God! What a great one! Because, yes, because you know, Mark Wahlberg is is when he's tasked with playing a tough guy, he can certainly do it. Yep. But in the happening, he plays a science teacher who, when distressed, recites the scientific method. Can you just give me a second? Just give me a second. Establish a hypothesis. Like he's just doing that shit, and um. The Happening, a movie that I actually genuinely uh, enjoy and care for. I'm not going to say whether it's good or not, but yeah. I enjoy it, and, and I, you know, I, I have fondness for it. Yeah. Uh, uh, warts and all, we'll yeah, say. Yeah. But yeah, he plays sort of against that. So those are my two like non-list list entries that I'll knock out. Well, here's uh, so I'll give you pretty much basically the same thing, and but I think this one's maybe a little more fun or funny. I really don't know if I've seen this movie. I feel like I must have. Because <laughs> That's the sick thing about being a fucking degenerate like us about movies is, oh, I saw it, maybe. I feel like I must have because I think I'm right that this is the premise of the movie. Okay, so I think I must have seen it. I chose Jackie Chan in the tuxedo, where, correct me if I'm wrong, he plays a normal-ass dude that has to, like, like... I forget, like a guy dies and he takes his suit and the yes. suit like gives him the, the, the karate power. I have seen that movie because I do remember going to the theater to see it. Yes. And I don't remember if that's the plot, but that stands to reason because the whole thing is that and it, it's not a great movie, but I do remember it, it speaking to his skills as a physical comedian yes. in that he's doing like an upgrade sort of thing yes. where his body's doing the karate and his face is like, shit, I, I don't. You know, so yes. I think you're correct. Yeah. I think so. I I chose that literally not even knowing if I've seen this movie. I was just like, I'm pretty sure this is the premise of this Jackie Chan movie. I think it's him and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, I that's think so. wild. That's yeah. something. That's a so choice. Weird. So weird. So <laughs> weird. Uh, and then, um, I, I mean, I'll toss out this one only because I genuinely don't remember her role in this movie this that much. But I wanted to get a woman on our list, and so I chose uh, Mila Jovovich in that movie Paradise Hills. Did you see that at the film? I have festival? not seen that. Okay. Oh wait, no, yes, I did see that. Right, you know, wait, what I'm that was about? the yeah, that was the one at Emma the school. Roberts, and it was I very think. yeah, I yeah. did see. I liked that movie actually quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of good visual elements in it. Like that was what I remember liking about it: the, the production design and just kind of the, the the fantasy realm that it all took place in was like really well realized. Yeah, and if I remember right, she's like the head of like the whatever this institution is that Emma Roberts gets brought to, and and so. Anyway, what I remember is it's not really an action movie to my memory. So I think it's one of the only movies I can think of where Mila Jovovich is like just I mean, she's still playing like a genre yeah. character, but like not an action hero character. You know? She does a lot of action. Like she is, yeah. you know, she was in like the fourth kind. I think yep. she's in some other things where she doesn't do that. But I, I was I was trying to get a woman on the list. I failed because it I ran up against the thing where it was like most of the women that do like the badass woman is that's the against type thing. Yes, yes. Or they're like a Ronda Rousey or a Gina Carano yep. or something yep. where it's like, oh, no, you're, you're actually not an actress first. You're a badass right. first. Right, and right. then, the you know, like that kind of yep. thing. Like, I, yep. you know, and so I couldn't do it. So, oh, that's, that's a good one. I, I could not figure out a way to get uh, dude, a woman I, on the list. I was having the same thoughts, and Jovovich was like the one name I came across where I was like, that's legitimately her game is, is action. Yeah. She's a female action She's star. She's the best. Yeah. I think she is... Like, just the coolest. We're so she lucky rocks. to have her. I think she just owns her place in Hollywood. She's a really good actress. She's married to Paul W.S. Anderson. I think so. yep. And that's, like, incredible because that has given us so many. It's given us cool uh, uh, Resident us Evil movies. More it's Resident given, Evil movies than we ever would have gotten otherwise. Which I've seen all but one of those Resident Evil movies. Yeah. And most of them are awesome. <laughs> they're, like, totally, they're just badass. They're incredible. 
but uh, yeah, I like her. She's a, and actually, if I remember correctly, she has a song on the Rules of Attraction soundtrack. Hell yeah, that's funny. That's cool. It's not great, but I mean, yeah. whatever. It's better than any song I've yeah. ever written. Yeah. All right, so those are my two kind of like I wasn't because exa- I don't remember her that much in that movie, so that was why I didn't want to like fully yeah, yeah. put it on the list. But I was I pretty sure she was in that. I remember enjoying that movie. Yeah. But that's like when you know film festival when you get to just yeah. <laughs> at a point where you're just like, oh. yeah. Actually, I just realized like I should say out loud since this is a lesser known movie, Paradise Hills is the title, and it's like an indie movie from a year or two ago that is worth checking out. It's kind of cool. It's it's really good actually. I had a back and forth on Twitter with the director who was like very very nice. Uh, so let's shout her out, Alice Waddington. Yes, that's her name. Yep, the director. Um, and uh, yeah, Paradise Hills. Oh well, yeah, that was I forgot about that movie. I'm glad you brought that up. I enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, she plays the Duchess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and it has a. Uh, I'm not gonna mispronounce her first name. Aiza Gonzalez in it. Oh yes, yep. And Who she is... is known for getting crushed to death in a yes. spaceship by Kong yeah. in Godzilla vs. Right. Kong. <laughs> she, by the way, is am I right? Is she also the um the one character in Baby Driver? Is that the same actress? Yes, she, she is. Right. Okay. Yeah. She is indeed. She's in Alita: Battle Angel. She's in Fast oh, and the right. Furious, and um. Oh, you know, I was gonna say she's in Triple X. She's not. She's in Bloodshot. Okay. Although I needed to get some, uh, I needed to get some cables for my drum set to hook my iPad up to it, and so I needed to get over the free shipping threshold. So Return of Xander Cage will be arriving tomorrow in beautiful 4K UHD. Hell yes, dude! <laughs> Very excited about that. All right, and so give some, me one uh, of your big names here. Okay, this one because I feel it might also be on your list, but we did an episode devoted to the absolute masterpiece that is Copland. Dude, it's and on my list, and I've got some other Stallone suggestions in general right so on. we can talk about this, yes. Because, as we've said before, when Stallone is not trying to be superstar Stallone, he's actually quite a good actor. Sure is. And Copland is probably the best example of that, especially at a time where it seemed he was trying to... Uh, not not necessarily shed that uh, the the muscle bound badass, but just trying to flex a little to show what he can do. Yeah. After spending a decade just getting shinier and more ripped. Yeah. Which the irony being that his breaking his breakout role in Hollywood was one where he really did have to act Rocky. That's right. Yeah. Um, yep. But you know, ego is a is a wild thing as is human growth hormone. So yeah. you do what you do. But he's you know. absolutely wonderful in Copland. I think yep. it might be his best performance this side of Rocky and Creed. Kind of and uh, it's him playing very much against type, and it's it's a great strength. And like the point of the role is specifically that he's playing against type, if yes. that makes sense. Yes. And it's just yes, it's, honestly, one of my all time favorite movies. This was the one that came closest to the actual format of Street Law yeah. to me, where it's like a guy that is known as a badass, and by the end will do some quote unquote similarly badass things to what his yeah. characters do, but like. It takes us a whole movie to get there. You know? When he does his badass stuff, it's not because he's a badass. Right, exactly. It's, yep. He's a victim of circumstance. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, I wanted to bring up, uh, and he's on my list as well with that movie, but I had two other titles that I wanted to, to bring up just because it turns out Stallone, being the big action hero, has done this a couple of times to great effect. One of them being Rocky. I legitimately think you yeah. could say that Rocky is one of his quote-unquote normal characters. The only reason I didn't do it was just because that was before badass was established. So in my head, it was like, it felt less like playing against type, and it was just introducing this genius to the world. That makes sense. And I say that completely earnestly. I know. I think he's fucking brilliant. I know. This this title might uh, work a little better for you, then. I also put over the top on this list. Oh, yeah. um, Because, you know... Sure, he's, he's muscle-bound, but he's, he's not a badass. And yeah, he's a badass arm wrestler, but 
that's not what we mean when we say badass. No, he's kind of a loser in that he movie. Yep. He's trying to earn his son back through Armistice. Yep. Like yep. a winner. This, by the way, this movie's actually great. Like Tori oh, yeah. loved this movie. It was like <laughs> it was like against all odds. She was just like, "This is the fucking greatest thing I've ever seen." But I love this heartwarming it's story of so this good. big lug and his son arm wrestling their way across America, and and doing it for love. Yep, yep. Great not movie. for ego, not yep. to be the best arm wrestler, but to be the best dad. Ooh. Give me a, give me another one of your picks. All right, this one. Um, uh. More a, a just shedding of image than anything else, but Wesley Snipes Ooh. in the drag comedy To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Dan, I've never seen this movie, and I am dying Hilarious to. movie. Him, Leguizamo, and Patrick Swayze yes. are drag queens that get stuck in a town, and they decide to just, like, try and pass. Uh. And it's very funny. And with the caveat that drag is an incredibly badass thing. Yes, yes. Um, but in the sense of this list... Uh, you know, juiced out passenger 57 Wesley Snipes yep. doing a goofy drag performance is definitely playing against type and he For acquits sure. himself quite well. It's, it's, you know, I mean, it is a movie of the 90s, it is of 90s and mores, but it's a very warm and lovely movie. It is, uh, you know, the, the comedy is, is not the most groundbreaking, it's very silly, yeah. but it's really a lot of fun. And those three central performances are much more committed than you'd ever, I mean. You would expect it from Leguizamo, who is like, in my honestly, and I, I mean this, he's one of the greats. Yeah, I agree. He really, really is one of the greats. Leguizamo can do anything. Yep. But it's just, it's a great movie. I mean, any movie where you've got uh, Fat Cap Chris Penn uh, inappropriately <laughs> hitting on Lady Patrick Swayze and all of the <laughs> confusing things that happen as a result of that, I mean, you can't go wrong. That's you know, funny. It's, it's it's definitely just like one of those like iconic of its time movies. Yeah. But the fact that two, you know, one action star and one occasional action star Swayze yeah. doing this role that that requires them to do something completely off the radar for them, uh, I think it suits the list. That's I I like that answer a lot. And I this is a movie I've always wanted to see. Like uh, the, this might uh, inspire me to finally watch this movie. Check it out. I mean, it's it's not like it's high art or anything. Yeah. But it's just it's just I think it's I would one enjoy of those it. things that could only exist when and how it did. Yeah. And it's just it's a lot of fun and it's it's legitimately very funny and you know three non actual drag performers being tasked with doing uh, drag performances like, that shit is not easy and yeah. and. You know, it's it's vaudeville. It's it's you're yeah. doing vaudeville and you're doing it in giant heels. It's yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Tonight is is RuPaul night in my house, uh, yeah. and uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely worth checking out. I think you'll at the very least have some fun. Well, I think I would enjoy it. Uh, I, I have like a very I I want to say like uninteresting pick here, but I I thought it was worth bringing up. Um, it's a movie we covered a long time ago. I don't even know if you remember, um, but I did bring it up to you as the example when we were trying to figure this list out. Uh, Schwarzenegger in the movie Maggie. Yeah. Where he's literally just playing a dad. I mean, he's like a yeah. lumberjack or something. You know, he's like strong, but he's, you know, he's literally meant to just be like a father. There's no, he just happens to be a big guy. This you know? movie actually exists on, like it lives on his dramatic chops yes. and not on his karate chops no yes, he doesn't do yes, karate. Yes, yes. not on his uh like it's it's a far cry from commando <laughs> yes yes exactly 
Uh, and, and you know, uh, I liked that movie. I remember enjoying that movie. I feel like that movie yeah. doesn't really linger in my mind all that much, aside from him being so good in it. I remember the feeling I had watching him more than yeah. I remember anything else, because I was like, man, he's actually really doing a character. here. He's, he's like very good. He's in doing movie. acting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, even like his more acting roles, you know, like like he, he gives a great performance in True Lies, but that's yeah. an action movie. Yeah. He yeah. gives a great performance in Twins, but the the comedy is that he's yes. big. Yes. Maggie uses, you know, like, uh, uh, what's it? Uh, what's the one where he's pregnant? The, oh, uh, you know, junior. The, junior. And like the comedy there is that he's this big dude who's pregnant. And so Maggie like doesn't his his size, physique and celebrity status is invoked zero percent of the time. It's I, I, just a performance, yeah. I, I love that you said all of this because I thought about all these movies and had the same thoughts. The only other one that I wanted to remark on on this list because I thought it maybe just squeezed in was Jingle All the Way. Oh, yeah. Where I think it is, I mean, eventually he's Turbo Man, so it's still trading like a little bit on like his physique. A little bit, but I think the joke of that is that he's not capable of being a good Turbo he's Man until he's forced to, to be yeah. normal. He's supposed he's to be a normal guy. Yeah, yeah, yep. We yes. all remember him losing control of the jetpack that a yes. costumed parade yes. superhero illogically has for yes. some reason. Yes. As he's oh, oh, oh. Yep. hilarious. <laughs> that, was the, that was the only one of his movies like that that I was because even Kindergarten Cop, I was like, no, he's a badass in that movie. Yeah. Who's, playing against type but like is a well, badass and the joke of that movie is yep. that he's a big muscle bound badass yep. that has to soften for yep. kids this was like the one that i was like i think this squeezes in i think this kind of works I think single all the way does yeah. it yeah. and he does have legitimate comedic chops oh he does yeah he's very funny i know that there's been a turn on true lies which i actually kind of disagree with yeah um i i don't find it to be uh misogynistic i, I think right. it's actually clean in that regard i mean yeah. i'd certainly watch it but He's so funny in that movie. Yes, yes. And a lot of it is him doing a performance. A lot of it is that he's paired with Tom Arnold, who is, you know, a comic actor. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and Bill Paxton is Simon. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is hilarious in that movie. I mean, I honestly, I'd be curious what her opinion is of people kind of turning on that yeah. movie. Because she strikes me as somebody that would not have performed the scenes that I assume are in question when people are upset about yeah. this movie. Um, if she didn't feel like she was, you know, in control of that situation in some way, I, I kind of, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you for the most part. Like, here's the thing. You know what's weird about that movie? I remember when we covered it for this show, and I had to look up images to put on the Facebook for it. Yeah. And all I could find were pictures of her in her underwear. And yeah. so, what I think about that movie is that the movie itself, I personally don't find that much troubling about. Yeah, the I response do though. I think the culture around it is kind of fucked, but that's more about our culture and not about that yeah. movie. And I would agree. And I think that's one of those movies that, like, when it came out, we were tempted to go, oh, it's another Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. actioner. Explosions, bouncing boobies, guns everywhere, yeah. Yeah. and all that stuff. And it's like, you know, like, it. it it's not that movie. It is almost a parody of those. Now, I think we could have a conversation about the depiction of the bad guys, yeah. but that's another one too, where like, that's more an of its time thing yeah, than anything yeah, else. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I do get, like that. They make the bad guy kind of goofy though. Yeah. And you know, I think I that get, helps with it. I get what I'm sure people find it problematic that, um, he has to like deceive his wife into yeah. that striptease and stuff. Like that makes sense to me that that is like, a kind of complication in that sequence that uh, I think 
is probably rightfully maybe frowned upon while watching it now. Yeah. But I think that's just like, yeah, so that's what we do. We watch that movie and go like, oh, that's kind of gross. You know, it's I, like, I also think too, though, in the moment, like it is a weird moment of awakening for her. But I, I mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, I think that 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 moment is portrayed as he's crossing a line here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like I think that they do recognize that. That said, I'm not necessarily going to be the guy who who uh, you know it, it is a remake of a French movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By James Cameron. So, yeah, like, you yeah. know, it's certainly yeah. something that can be had. But b- beyond that, though, the, really the point of, that I even brought it up is that what's funny about that movie is that th- it's one of his comedy performances that shows his comedic chops. And it's not just, look at that big dude doing yeah, so non-big he, dude things. It's actually, like, he's funny in that. He's got, like, bridge timing. Is out! Yeah, he's got timing and rhythm in that movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. But, yeah, um, I think Maggie's a good example, and I think that Jingle All the Way is allowed. Yes. Uh, well, um, give me your next one. So this one, uh, even though I think that uh, that working hard to try and fix a broken family is an incredibly badass thing to do, I would say that Tom Hardy, who is regularly a badass, uh, very much does not play one in Locke. Wow, what a great, great pick, man! I didn't even that was one of the first times I really saw him like act like he's always a good actor. Yeah, but yeah. that was one of the first times that I was forced to actually consider him beyond badass as yep. an actor. Yeah, I mean, like, my I, honestly, my introduction to him, and it probably wasn't, I bet I had seen him in something before, but, like, is like Inception, where he's barely a character, he literally exists to be, like, cool and badass. You know? Yeah, my introduction to him was uh, Bronson. Yep. And, now, granted, that movie is an incredible acting performance. Yeah, it is. He is playing a badass, you yes. know, and, like, he is sort of, you know, it, I think now he's not necessarily always considered a badass. He's considered the goofy voice guy. Sure. Um, but, man, I love him. Um, I mean, hell, he gives a performance in Venom that is legit good. Uh-huh. And uh, what was the one from last year that I, I loved? Uh, Capone. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, Locke was the first time that I was just like, oh, you know what? He's this guy's good. Like, yeah. I, I like this guy a lot. And, you know, like I said, well, it is badass to own up to your mistakes and try and do it as, as clean <laughs> yeah. as you can. Uh, that was not a badass performance as, as it were air I mean, quotes to the listeners. What I love about this pick is I had a lot of trouble thinking of quote unquote, like modern actors for this list. Yeah. I, my, my list is almost exclusively people that I think of when I think of like eighties action and stuff, you know? Mm. Um, so I, I love that pick because I was having trouble kind of like figuring out like who's working now that I would, you know, think of this way. Mm. Um, that's a great pick. Right on. Thank you. Um, so this is like maybe the pick I'm least excited about because it's maybe even arguable that this guy's entire image is badass. But Tom Cruise in Eyes Wide Shut, Magnolia, Rain Man, like these are movies that are not like they're asking something of him entirely different than what I classically think of when I think of like, yeah. the Tom Cruise picture, you know? He was an actor before he became an action yeah. star, but now he is just an action star. Right, so it's That's a great... why that movie American a... Made was so yes. good, mm-hmm. was because it was the first time in a while where it was like, oh no, he's actually playing a guy as opposed to right. doing a thing for us, you know? That, that's why, like, maybe Rain Man is a bad pick here, because that's kind of pre his, like, action stardom, yeah. you know? But you know, um, though, when we look back on his career and they do like when he dies and moves on to the planet that he gets as a result of being, you know, highly ranked in Scientology. Yeah. yeah. I think well, that's also in Mormonism, too, I believe yeah. um, you get your own planet. Um, 
pretty badass if you ask me but uh when he moves on from this mortal coil if that if, if even such a thing is possible when we look back on the reel of of tom cruise at the oscars or whatever it's going to start with action right yes yeah, so i think, I think so. it's fair I, yeah. you know we'll get the you can't handle the truth and things yep. like that but it's gonna start with him holding on to the side of a plane yeah, yeah. or rappelling off the side of the tower well, in Dubai. And I was trying to think too, like, I think that our impression of him is that like mission is mission impossible is where the action star starts. But like he had done like, uh, what is days of thunder, the race car movie? Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like he had done kind of some adjacent action stuff. Like I mean, top gun up- has action. elements. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Like, so, so anyway, I, I was thinking, and I think eyes wide shut and Magnolia are kind of the, the, in my mind, the big kind of in the midst of his action career, yeah. him kind of playing against type, you know? I think Magnolia, that was something that they really leaned on in pushing that movie was, you know, Tom Cruise is is doing something here. Right, right. As yeah. opposed to, you know, Ethan Hunt or whatever. And right. I think we only had one movie at that point, 96 or 95 right. was. But yeah. even so, like, I, I remember the big thing of Magnolia was like, this is Tom Cruise digging deep. Yeah, yeah. And I remember Eyes Wide Shut. I mean, granted, the Eyes Wide Shut was more a Kubrick's final film. Yeah, that's got something uh, else an actual one. real life couple at its center, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But I do remember both of them sort of having the like, this is Tom Cruise, excuse me, this is Tom Cruise acting, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's valid. It's. I feel like this is my least interesting choice, mostly because I don't even know if I fully buy my own concept of him as action man, but yeah. he's action man, you know? He probably has more not action than action, right? but I, I think thinking. that if we fast forward three to five years, that will tip the other way. Yeah, probably. Because, you know, yeah. we've got the mummy, we've got yeah, the yeah, oblivion, yeah. we've got, you know... Yeah. Dude, you should watch American Made. Oh, it's not the like greatest movie, movie, but it is really cool. It's a crazy story, it's a true story. But I just remember that ended. I was like, oh, yeah, he does. He does act. That's like a Look Doug that. Lyman movie, isn't it? I believe it's Doug Lyman. Yeah. That dude just like the energy of his movies makes them work almost every time. Like even if the actual material is like kind of bub, you know, I like Jumper. I like Jumper I quite a yet. bit. I would like to see it. Jumper is a movie that is setting you up for the best sequel that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. It's one like of those. I that movie. Um, okay, this is one that I'm not excited about, but I wanted to because it's not necessarily valid uh, yeah. because he's not really like he's done action, but he's not really considered an action star. Yeah, but it's such an atypical performance that I that I want to shout it out. And I think that it counts. And it's a movie that nobody saw and the few people who saw it didn't really like it, but I thought it was excellent. But Denzel Washington in Roman J. Israel Esquire. Oh, yeah. uh, it's a Dan Gilroy film, his follow up mm-hmm. to Nightcrawler which is just an incredible movie. Uh, Roman J. Israel, the reason why I singled it out is because, you know, Denzel still, you know, he's doing fences, he's doing things yeah. like that. But around the time of Roman J. Israel, it was Equalizer, Equalizer 2. Yep. Uh, you know, and he did that whole run of Deja Vu, Out of Time, Man on Fire, where yep. he's not necessarily tasked with being an action guy, but these are action movies. They're certainly yep. genre adjacent. In Roman J. Israel Esquire, he plays a very oddball lawyer, He's got a fro. He's always got his headphones on. He has, like, some tics. Like, he's doing capital A acting. He's almost like, for lack of a better term, he's like, seems to be on the spectrum of sorts. Mm-hmm. And he is pursuing a case, and he's a guy that nobody takes seriously despite being brilliant. Mm. And it's just a, it's it's Denzel Washington kind of as you've never seen him. Yeah. And I think he gives a hell of a performance in it. And a lot of people... Uh, reacted like that it's kind of a goofy performance but i think there's actually much more depth to it than than it gets credit for 
I think that it's a movie that in hindsight will be uh, seen with kind eyes. Um, I would like I to see it. I highly recommend it. I and, mean, and the way that Nightcrawler is sort of like an atypical genre movie. Yeah. This has some of that vibe to it, which I appreciated. I, I think you'd enjoy it. Well, I love it, but I, I think you'd enjoy it. I, I yeah. liked it quite a bit. I, I would like to see it. And and by the way, I feel the same way you did about my cruise pick, where it's like, I I hear you that like Denzel is probably almost 50-50, maybe tipping more towards just dramatic performer. Yeah. But there is more than enough action, I think, throughout his career that it is not wrong to say that he is like an action star, you know? He's definitely an action star. Where he differs from Cruz is that when we get the Denzel reel, it probably won't be as action. It'll be the dramatic stuff. Yeah. It'll be the dramatic. There will be action. But definitely in that reel will be him and Man on Fire going, I wish you had more time. Yeah, 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 yeah. When he's got the bomb up the guy's butthole. Well, but I, I think, uh, you know, honestly, it's probably only for lack of his own Mission Impossible franchise, right? Yeah. Like, the Equalizer is as close as he ever really got, and even that is not quite the splash that's something like a Mission Impossible. Yeah, there's two of them. Remember, you know? yeah. There's not a lot of iconography associated right. with his action stuff. Right. Right. Um, and, and frankly, like his action movies, yeah, he's tasked with doing some action, but mostly the action happens around him. And, and he's he just performance man. Yeah. yeah, he's performance man, whereas Tom Cruise is the agent of the act. He is running yeah. across the yeah. field to attach himself to the plane yeah. to you know do the yeah. thing. But I think that it is – this one is, yes, it's a badass playing non-badass, but it's also Denzel doing a character that is different from all of his dramatic work as well. Yeah, that's cool. And it, it's a cool movie. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I have, this is my, my only other one that I'm like, not terribly excited about, mostly because I don't find this a very interesting pick to talk about. But, um, as I was looking at his career, I was like, there are actually so few movies that are not action in some way. Yeah. Um, Bruce Willis in the sixth sense. Okay. I, is- I was considering doing bruce willis and unbreakable on my list and and the only reason i didn't do unbreakable is because unbreakable kind of ultimately is an action movie quote unquote like it's not i know it's like the anti that the reason it popped in my head is that he's supposed to play a guy who doesn't realize he's an action star you know and so that but i it was too wonky so just didn't didn't go dude i literally like i looked through every bruce willis that i had seen i'm sure there's some in there that i've not seen that color of night yeah, Color they're rightfully Night. like not action movies, right? But like Color of Night, of which the, is an action movie too. <laughs> yeah, see, of the stuff I've seen, and I've seen a lot of his movies, it turns out, and then even the stuff that I hadn't seen, but I felt like I knew enough about, I was like, there are literally no movies here that I could make this argument about except for The Sixth Sense. Yeah. It's like the only movie where, other than when he fucking voices a baby in like, look who's talking, which maybe you could say is an action movie just because of the way some of that stuff goes down. Just in a there is that context. scene at the beginning where the sperms are all going yeah, towards the egg and right. talking. That's pretty action-packed. But like, it's the only movie where it's like, the read on Bruce Willis in this movie is he is literally just a fucking guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And there's no build-up to him being anything other than just a fuck. I mean, he's a dead guy, but he's yeah, just a he's fucking a guy, guy, you know, like um, that's no, that's a good one. And what's funny about that, the irony being he was like not even close to the first choice for Die Hard. Right. And when they cast him, it was like the funny guy from Moonlighting. Right. I know he's not an action star. And then defined his I know. career. Well, and I did. I honestly I thought about Die Hard as a movie that maybe works for this in the sense that literally the whole premise of that is he's just a fucking guy that was in the wrong yeah. place at the wrong time and became an action hero over the course of the movie. But that yeah, whole he movie, cries. He's yeah. afraid to fly in the fourth one. He steals a helicopter and flies it by sheer force of will. Yeah. But like 
in the, but that whole movie is an action movie, right? It's like that is yeah. what that is. It's not, you know. I, so I felt like I couldn't quite go there. No, I. But honestly, like in terms of our list, I think it's a valid. Yeah. You know, in hindsight, where you go, man, he's he's not leaning on his his action chops there, whereas now he is. Yeah, Dude, yeah. you got you got to watch the Color of Night. I I'll make sure that yeah, I need gets to borrow that. Soon. I would like to see it. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. And like I said, this is a movie that I, I was pretty familiar with. I'd seen most of it a few times on TV growing up because it was one of those. It was like an HBO classic or it, Cinemax, really. But watching the 140-minute indulgent director's cut, I was just like aghast. <laughs> it is, I said it in my letterbox review, if none of the choices work, then all of the choices work. <laughs> it's fucking phenomenal all right, i got one more um yep. and i was excited about this one because this is one of sydney lumet's final films Ooh. uh it's called find me guilty oh, in which vin movie. diesel plays the mobster that's defending himself and he's a little heavier vin diesel famously gained some weight there's a great supercut of him doing interviews and saying that his trick was eating ice cream and the joke being that in every interview he says the exact same thing the exact same way um, you know, it's like those those supercuts of like someone posing for a picture, but they do the same pose every time. Yeah. It's just him like being like, actually, you wouldn't believe it. Ice cream. <laughs> like that kind yeah, of a yeah. thing. Um, I can't do a Vin Diesel except in saying father. I don't know what I would do about my father. What's weird is until you pointed that out, it was so lost in the texture of that movie that I was just like, oh, yeah. And then when you isolate it, you're like, excuse me. <laughs> That's like up there with... Tell me, Chase, do you like the fur from Batman Forever? Where you're like, cut. Sorry. Can you say that again and yeah. say it? Yeah. <laughs> but no. Although nobody tells Vin Diesel to cut on the set of a uh, fast. That's, right. That's, That's apparently right. something you don't do. But in Find Me Guilty, he's very charming. It's a great performance. That's just a great little movie. It's like the little courtroom movie that could. It's an early performance from uh, Dinklage. Yeah. And... Um, which I believe the real life person that he played is not a little person. Oh, that's interesting. And so that's cool. I think, but, uh, but like, you know, it, it stands to show just where it's like, dude's a good actor. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, inclusive... grab a stool. Let's, let's go. You know, that's like inclusive... it, it didn't matter. That's the inclusive kind of casting that I feel like a lot of people have been clamoring for over the last like, yeah. 10 years or so, you know, didn't call attention to it. It was yeah. just, this guy delivers this monologue and he does it better than anybody else you're in you know yeah. um, I, I i'm not going to speak to whether that's I, I can't confirm that 100 percent that who he played in the real life version wasn't uh, a dwarf but yeah i understand yeah at the same time like the the point being that it you know it doesn't matter the, the fact is they picked the best guy for the job and he just yeah. happens to be a little smaller yeah. um but yeah the, it's just a great vin diesel performance he's not a badass he's just an affable you know uh, mobster guy yeah <laughs> oh who defends himself in court and it's a crazy performance that, you know, this was this was before Vin Diesel was full action. You know, when he was, you know, trying to do other roles, you know, he did his Saving Private Ryan. He was a, a man apart and things like that. <laughs> uh, boiler Room and stuff like that. Um, but this was definitely post him starting to do action. And when we look back on Vin Diesel's career, when he ultimately explodes, uh, we're going to it's all that reel is going to be very action forward. It might oh, yeah. be solely action yeah. and it'll be a shame to see that something like this is removed because I think it might be his best work. Well, I remember when this movie came out, which was long enough ago that I, I was I in college. I might even still been in high school. I can't remember. But like, yeah, it was definitely around that time for me. 
I remember when this came out that that was like the the fucking talk about this movie was like yeah. one like Sidney Lumet made a movie with fucking this guy like Vin Diesel yeah. but that but two like and Vin Diesel is fucking like really good in this really like, good it's like a good movie like not just like against type like hey that guy that's in goofy action movies happens to be good in this movie like yeah. really good in this movie you know like oh. I remember that was like the talk about that movie and it was it. And it's weird that he, I mean, of course he continued with action. It's his bread and butter. But, yeah. like, that was one of those casting choices where you go, oh, shit, they cast Vin Diesel because he was the best choice for the job? Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the same as, as a Dinklage, where it's like, oh, they picked the guy who gave the best performance? Yeah. Okay. Like, it wasn't a stunt performance. Right. Like, a, a stunt casting, sorry. Right, right, You know, yeah. it, it was stunt marketing. Like, oh, Vin Diesel, like, you, you'd never expect. Yeah. But it was very much just, like, Oh no, they picked him because he was the guy who like he's perfect for this. Yeah, yeah. So you just wouldn't, have, you know. Yeah, and so I, I really cool. like that I movie, that. and I, it's a good one. I, I'd like to watch it again. It might be Lamette's final movie. I'm not yeah, sure. I can't remember if it's that or The Devil Knows You're Dead. I think it's one of those two, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah. You know what? There's a machine in my hand that. Can yeah, do Devil this. Knows You're Dead might be earlier than that movie. Sydney <sighs> Lamette. Um, his last movie was before the devil knows you're dead, which was 2007. Okay. And before that was find me guilty. Find me guilty 2006. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I actually would like to watch it again. Yeah, I mean, um, we could do it for like an episode of the show. We did before the devil knows you're dead before. It'd be nice be awesome. to do another Lumet. Yeah. And actually, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to look up Ben Clandis because that is who, uh, oh, Peter uh, Dinklage Dinklage played and Ben Clandis, uh, is ungoogleable. No, he he just he appears to be a uh, he appears to not be a little person. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so, I mean that's like that is again that's like the kind of inclusive casting people have kind of been talking about where it's like why does a black person have to be black necessarily but or vice versa really is what you know why does a white person have to be white necessarily like why can't we just cast yeah. like the the right whoever fits for it. This is wait this is a uh, I'm. I'm looking at a review of uh, of uh, Find Me Guilty uh, of, of Find Me Guilty from 2006. This is Stephen Holden in the New York Times, and I'm trying to find the uh, the the line that was in the. Uh... So Sidney Lumet was 81 when he made this. Wow. There was a line that was in the the link that I want to get in context of the thing. Oh, has Linus Roach in it? Okay. Blah blah blah. Linus Roach and Mandy, right? That's uh, uh yes. He's yeah. the singer, the 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 like the preacher singer guy. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy. It says it says about his performance. Where the fuck is it? Oh man, fuck! I'm blowing it. You're fine. It's uh, it says about his performance. Uh, here it goes. Wearing a reddish brown wig, his gut protruding over his belt loops, a goofy leer spreading across his mug. Vin Diesel's Jackie could be the cut-up baby brother of Tony Soprano. The role of a wisecracking wise guy embellishes Mr. Diesel's menacing force field with stand-up comedy and macho sentimentality. At last, he plays a real character instead of a swaggering cartoon of testosterone on the rampage. <laughs> That's from 2006, so even then they were speaking to the idea of this is a badass playing against type. That's a nice bit of writing, too. I like that. I'm glad that yeah, you took it's, the uh, Good. Uh, Stephen yeah, Holden in New York Stephen Times. Nice. I'm um, no gangster. I'm a gangster. Crows <laughs> Giacomo, Jackie Denorcio, the Goomba antihero of Sidney Lumet's gripping courtroom drama, Finding <laughs> Guilty. 
so yeah, it's a it's a, a positive review as well. I would like to watch that again. Ma, let's do it for the show. I think that's like a yeah. good pick for something we do soon. Um, my last pick is a, a a dear favorite of mine, and I think of yours. And I was thinking long and hard about a pick that I would actually be like excited about. And I, this is the one: Keanu Reeves in Knock Knock. Oh man, yes, right. Oh, like, I'm into it. Fully, I mean, not like fully against type. He's still like cool, sexy Keanu in the movie, but like not meant to be. I mean, in my opinion, like when I really think about Keanu and like the whole breadth of his career, it's action through and through. There's like yeah. a few romance movies in there. There's like a few comedy movies in there and stuff but like i really do not think about him as bill and ted that's like a, yeah. like that is a thing of the past when i think about i mean him, i you think know? his his main point of reference is point break in the matrix yep. and now john wick now but john wick. at the time of knock knock that predates john wick yeah but i think that one of the things that makes his action heroes so good is that they're typically likable yep. and they're typically complex without necessarily being like like sometimes the action hero is like, yeah, this guy might be kind of a bad guy, right? And he is somebody who always radiates good. Yes. And even in John Wick, where it's like, yeah, he was a badass dude, and like he was a fucked up killer. We don't know the history of that. They do hinge upon the fact that he is at, at the very least reformed and at yeah, his yeah, core yeah. a good man. Yes. Um. But yeah, in Knock Knock, it's like, no, he's a fallible human. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's like when I was really thinking about this list and trying to think of a really good kind of against type thing, it's not that he's fully against type. It's just that that pretty boy, crisp image of him. Yeah. He's kind of scummy in it. Yeah. And it's exactly what the movie is like preying on. Right. It's like that we do think of him that way and that these kinds of guys do exist in the world. And it's quite often that that's actually a veneer hiding something yeah. much more sinister, you know? Yeah, he's he could be corrupt already, if not easily corruptible. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I forget what I was watching. Oh, you know what it was? I was... No, wait, what was it? I forget what I was watching. Some horror movie. And the trailer for Knock Knock was on the Blu-ray. Yeah. And that was the one trailer that I didn't skip. And I was just like, I gotta watch this shit again. This is yeah. wild. Dude, free I, fucking pizza. Oh man, I really like that movie. I rewatched it with Tori like a little while ago. Uh, did she love it? Oh, she hated it. She was like, <laughs> it was gonna was, go either way. She was so mad at it. She was mad at me for enjoying it. Anytime I bring it up, she's like, I can't believe you fucking bought that movie and it exists in our home. It's oh, she hated it. But I, I feel but like she she does. I think like get what I like about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like does not. You know, it's that thing where she's just like. I just think this movie is like, you know, fucking gross. It's like about a gross guy that's doing gross stuff. And like, and then it's like, yes, what that is not inaccurate. You know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's three like unerringly bad people. Yes. Batting at, at one another. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so it's, it's like, so much fun. I know. Oh, it's I like, know. I just, I relish that. Uh, the, the I mean, we're definitely in the minority. Oh, I know. Liking I know. that movie, let alone loving it. That's so funny. Yep. That's one that I actually want to buy. I mean, I, I am, you know, just uh, there's no bones about it. I'm a pretty big Eli Roth fan. So I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm all into it anyway. That was one that I got for like a dollar on DVD because it was just like sitting in a, a like a used bookstore somewhere. You know what I mean? Um, I wonder so if it's, it's like even available. Now that I'm buy. cracked out on physical media, that's one of the worst. It's one of the worst things is looking for movies that either are about to not exist anymore I know. Or, uh, or, and then being like, well, I have to own it. It's like, no, you don't. I know. <laughs> like, I know. Do, I, do I have to own Knock Knock? 
But I'm looking to see if it even exists. Oh, it exists, and it's only ten dollars. It's a pretty fun movie. Oh, uh, wait a minute! It's one of those imports. Uh, yeah, you got to pay attention on Amazon. Mm, but the DVD is seven fifty, yeah. and I don't necessarily need it to be high quality. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how crisp that movie necessarily needs to be. Also, to tell you the truth, the player that I have is really good at upscaling, upscaling. the quality of DVDs. Yeah. And you know, like like when I watched Twister, it was on a DVD. Yeah, and. I was like, if this looked any better, it would look worse. I, I'm kind of <laughs> yeah. liking where it's at. And so well, some movies benefit from that. And the thing is, like, DVD, I mean, it's like we forget because we do legitimately have things that are much higher quality than DVD. But, like, DVD is pretty high quality oh, in yeah. the first place. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like... I remember uh, as a kid, you know, I didn't have DVD yet. We just had VHS. And I went to my buddy Steve's house. And his family was like, his, his uh, parents were, like, independently wealthy. Because they, they had a very successful travel agency business. And so he had DVD. And I remember we put on the DVD of Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh-huh. And the menu is just Austin Powers dancing. And I remember watching it and being like, this looks unbelievable. Uh-huh. Just the menu. I was like, I, did, like, I didn't know my eyes could see this sharp. This is I insane. And, like, it's just funny how times change. But I could not... Believe, like, it's like he's a little man right there in front of my eyes. It Dude, was so crazy. You know, it's a funny, like, inverse of that. Because I, I remember exactly that. Like, getting my first DVD player being fucking wowed by how clear everything was. Yeah. And, and, and like, literally, like, honestly, there's, like, a weird thing where, like, if you go back. I remember at the time, the menus for the Star Wars movies. Oh, yeah. They put, like, a ton of time and money into so that they were these, like, really cool, interactive. When you look at them now, they look ridiculous. Yeah. Like, they look. You know, but the the inverse of this is that like I watched a VHS of Speed not too long ago. <laughs> I was literally gonna say that my favorite thing was I had a VHS of Speed that I had recorded off of HBO. <laughs> Dude, I- I'm not kidding. I could not read the credits of the movie <laughs> because the font that they had chosen in the weird wavy magnetic thing that VHS yeah. is was literally unreadable. That's and I was like, so I cannot believe that I watched so many movies in my life at this quality and never yeah. thought twice about it. You know what I mean? It like, feels like now you're like, it's almost like I hadn't seen it. Meanwhile, yeah. I've seen Speed a hundred times. Right, yeah. That's so funny. That's bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to, yeah, I would tape, like I would record shows I wanted to watch off of TV and it was, that's just how it looked. We just yep. made do with it. Yep. And now, like, I'll be like, oh, man, I, they sent me the Blu-ray. I wanted the 4K. And it's like, who the fuck? Your eyes can't tell the difference. Who the fuck are you? But meanwhile, here I am. It's fun. I mean, I know this is pure nostalgia, but I feel like as the racer trash thing has kind of, like, really taken over some of my, like, aesthetic, like, pleasures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have gone from, I don't just have a nostalgia for the way VHS looked. I actually like literally like the way it looks sometimes. Oh, yeah. There's like certain things where I'm like, I kind of dig the way like this particular movie looks when it's played as a VHS. Like yeah. I've had oh, that yeah. thought recently where like, uh, like the old uh, Super Mario Brothers movie where it's like, I'm sure I can get that on DVD and I'm sure it's like a good, better print of that movie that is nice and clean. But like that movie at least for me and in my brain, it's like it belongs on a VHS. Like it oh, should yeah. be watched in that weird uh, I quality. Had, honestly, and now we're in, in Keanu territory. I watched Johnny Mnemonic the other day. Oh, it was sure. streaming on Hulu and it was very high quality stream. And um, 
I was watching that and I was going, you know what? I think I would like this better if I was watching it on a tape. I had yeah. that thought just because like, you know, it, it's, it's not, I mean, it's, it's a pretty bad movie, right, yeah, yeah. but like, it's really fun to look at. The sets yeah. are great. But I was like, if I could see a little less of this, it would look so much better. And right. I, I had that like conscious thought. Everything kind of blurred together a little bit. And they probably made the movie knowing that, like, this is the format in which it will ultimately yeah. be released and seen. And so that was probably even part of the production design of some movies of that era. I think about this all the time. And, and like, and I do think that, like, it's not even just that it looks better. It's also a movie like Johnny Mnemonic is like that era's vision of the future. And so when you watch it on a VHS, you can actually buy into a little more like, yeah. oh, this is what they were trying to sell me. You know, when you watch it, I was quality, watching an like, HD stream on a, yeah. on an LED TV yeah. and it was just like, oh, I can see, I can almost just it's like, I can almost sense the, the crew. Right. It's like, this looks chintzy to me, but if I were watching it on a VHS where it all blurs together a little bit. It and would that's, feel so much more that's real, like yeah. the era in which they were trying to convince me of this future. Something about it works better. I don't know how to explain what I'm saying. But like, no, I, I, you don't even have to explain. I yeah. know exactly what you mean. Yeah. But it, it is true. Like, I mean, when we think about, uh, you know, even just aspect ratios yeah. is, you know, you watch, like, I, I put on uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia a lot of the time when I just need some background stuff. Yeah. If you put on the first season, it shows up square. It's four by three, right? Yep, because that's just how TVs were. Yep. And now the newer episodes, they fill my screen, or you know, at least fill most of the screen. Yeah. And it's like, you and you just think like, yeah, because that's just what it was intended for. Yeah. And, yep. you know, so it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. I, I, I feel like VHS has been making a weird comeback in my life, and it's only. Well, I mean, it makes sense. I, I enjoy listening to records, and it's like, yeah, the sound quality is probably lower than when I listen on an iPod, but that little crackliness, there's a fondness, fondness that I have for that. Yeah, and, and and actually, I this is like a thing I actually know a weird amount about. I do actually think your record is higher quality than the yes. MP3 you're listening to most of the time. I think that they have more sound information on them and yeah. therefore could be richer, but like, you know, that crackle's gone and like yes. that crackles yes. what I'm chasing. I actually read recently that the highest quality sound, like recorded sound that you can get is audio cassette tape. That's still. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting, which is magnetic tape, right? It's like that's magnetic VHS tape. as well. Yeah. Like that and reel to reel. So like, you know, it's just, it's a different form of the information, a different way to play it. Yeah. I, honestly, I am still sitting on that bootleg uh, Murder, Death, Koreatown that they sent me. Oh, yeah, I have yeah. no way to watch it. I don't have a VCR. I got a VCR here at my house, so once we're all vaxxed up, I would like to watch that movie, and maybe I will just wait until I can see it in that format. Well, I would advise against it. Um, first off, my next vaccination is Sunday. And Hell yes, dude. So Congratulations. two weeks after that, I'm good to go. Um, but... Murder, Death, Koreatown was not shot with VHS in mind. Oh, okay, I got you. It's an alternate cut, and it's one that they specifically said, do not watch this with high-quality audio equipment because there are such huge jumps in the sound because we did no no post on it. It's just a rough VHS weird cut. Yeah. Um, So it's not actually the movie. It's a companion piece to the movie. Okay, okay, I got you. We should do that movie, and I have the blue of that so we can make that happen, but... Um, as a companion piece to it, we yeah, could do that yeah. as long as uh, we do it with like TV speakers and not with, you know, like I can make that happen. Yeah. So uh, but like I want to watch it. And I think a lot of there's there's a lot of a, it, 
it's appealing to me to see what a movie shot like that movie was shot yeah. on VHS yeah, yeah, for VHS. that reason. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we can make that happen. I, I actually, it's sitting on top of, as a joke a few years back, uh, Kevin Lau, as a Christmas gift, got me the VHS box set of the, as it was called at the time, Lethal Weapon Trilogy. <laughs> and so I have uh, in a box Lethal Weapon 1, 2, and 3 in VHS, and I'd be very curious to just watch a few minutes of those as well. I, so we I, can have some fun with the VHS. I, I actually have a big box of VHS sitting at my parents' house that I want to acquire. I just don't have anywhere to put it. I know. Uh, well, I do think we should do that sometime, because I bet Lethal Weapon is a, one of those movies that we would be like, oh, this is how this should be watched. Like, yeah, this, is this looks cool. Yeah. And then Lethal Weapon 4, I'll find a DVD, because that's <laughs> yeah. like a Fox DVD yep. with anime. Actually, the, the Die Hard that I have. Is, Dude, the Die Hard menu animated is insane. It's and insane. I love, though, that, that that was a thing. It was like, it's got cool, high-tech animated menus, as if that fucking matters at all. Every like, time I, I see I a DVD watch menu, menu, I'm like, why the fuck did I care about this? I thought yeah. this was so cool when it came out. Now all I want is what, like most modern blu-ray pressers do which is yeah. like it's a menu it's got no music it says play movie and special yeah. features that's fucking it you know that's it yeah. what's funny is like it's weird to even say that you thought it was cool because at the time it was cool right yes it was extremely cool yes. it was factually the like tip-top technological marvel cool yeah. and now it's just fucking garbage yes <laughs> Dude, the Die Hard one is the one that I always... It's like that one and the Star Wars ones, and I'm always like... And the Star Wars ones look way better than the Die Hard one, but even they are still like cheesy and weird. That Die Hard one is fucking goofy as fuck. It's so oh, yeah, And it's just leaning on the idea of, you know, regular middle-class people being like, I've got this high quality. Look at that. That was made in a computer. I know. That was, that's, where, that's a computer. Dude, you that's, know what those are. That's what's so funny to me about the Die Hard one is that it's none of it is footage from the movie or anything like that. It's these really weird, poorly done CGI mock-ups of like the building in a helicopter, if I remember right. Yep. And it's which so that's as if they think you will literally turn that DVD on and like look at your friend and be like, we didn't even get to the movie yet. I don't <laughs> want to show you the movie yet. What I want to show you is this fucking CGI helicopter flying across this menu. They made that shit in a computer. Can yeah. you believe it? Yeah. It's, this isn't that old school crap where they blow up a real helicopter. Yeah, exactly. This shit was made in a computer, like reboot. Exactly. It's like, why is this even? I don't know. It's just like crazy. It's so Yeah, funny. it's fascinating. I yeah. love that shit. Uh, dude, I love Street Law, and I am so excited that you liked this movie. Uh, I love it, and I can't wait to watch it again. It's it's This is such a great blind buy. Like, one dude, of the best blind buys I've ever done. When I watched it a second time, I, like, had a little bit of, like, a, like in the beginning, I was like, I wonder if he's going to like this. By the end, I was like, this is going to be fine. Like, he's going to like this. But I was, oh, like, yeah. a little worried that you were going to be like, yeah, it's fine. It's cool. So I'm I mean, glad you liked it. I'm going to like everything uh, eventually. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, even movies that I dislike, I like. <laughs> you know, like, it, it is, like, I, dude, it's one of those me, things. For me, this one is all about, like, the cinematography and the music. Like, yeah. I mean, all that other stuff is very good and interesting, and it provided so much good conversation. But, like, I'm definitely going to put this on again just to fucking look at this movie and listen to that score. Because it's, like, it's great. Rub one out. Yep. Yeah. No, but, no, for real, like, this is also, like when we can have parties again and people are over and yeah. you just need a background movie, this is the kind of thing that I'd feel very comfortable putting on in the background. Just the people go, what is that? Be like, Oh, yeah. this is street law. This is wild. Take it home with you and you leave. This is, totally. this is cool. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. 
uh, so uh, find us over on the internet at I like two movie. It's numeric two, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and um, email us. I like two movie at gmail.com. Please give us your recommendations. Beast of War was a really good episode we got out of a listener recommendation. We want to do that more. Um, find us on moviejohn.com. That's J A W N. We're part of their podcast network. Uh, and uh, find me everywhere on the internet at Philadelphia. That's with an F. I'm on Letterboxd and Twitter. Please follow my Letterboxd and check out my other podcast, Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast over on the internet. Uh, we just wrapped up a small series on D. Wallace, uh, which was a ton of fun. Love D. Wallace. Uh, yeah, and uh, we, I mean, I don't mind giving our listeners a little hint. This is a few episodes coming down the line, but we just did an episode on uh, Mako Kaji. Uh, she's who starred in Lady Snowblood and the uh, Female Prisoner Scorpion movies. She's like a, a great, like, Japanese genre actress that just did a ton of cool shit. And it's like one of the episodes I'm most excited about. We had a lot of fun talking about it. Nice. Oh, I look forward to it. Uh, same pretty much across the board for me, moviejohn.com, findy.com. Uh, I think I got a movie review coming up this weekend for an excellent little rural horror thriller called honeydew that Ooh. uh should be on moviejohn.com it has like one of the coolest scores i've ever heard oh. um i was made very uncomfortable by this film so okay. high okay. marks from me loved okay. it um check out my other uh comedy uh podcast hot property available on spotify and i am at dan scully on all of the things letterboxd all that fun stuff and um you know what i'll, I'll throw this out there uh, right now, I'm sort of in the early development stages of trying to put together a horror anthology with my buddy Ian. Oh, and um, it's something that we're trying to put together and we're trying to get some talent on board in direction in, in the capacity of directing and writing. So if this is something that interests you, we're trying to shoot later this year or early next year sometime in Philadelphia. Send us your information at yachtsploitation at gmail.com. Uh, it's like exploitation, but with yacht, like you know, a, a super ship yacht exploitation. And this this extends to everybody, you too, Garrett. If you got yeah, any please. ideas that you want to throw away, yeah. please uh, throw an idea away. We're currently getting a lot of submissions from people, so thank you to everybody who submitted. Um, it's a lot to dig through, but we're digging, and uh, so keep them coming. And if you haven't heard back from us, just hold tight. Uh, because we're both amateurs. He's a little less amateur than me, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just something that kind of fell together and, and we decided to really put some creative energy behind it. So yachtsploitation at gmail.com, send us your information. Uh, uh, we're looking to make a crazy anthology horror movie. So uh, come be a part Great of it. Idea. We want everyone involved. I love it. I, I love it. Um, uh, my name is Gareth Smith. I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully and I like to movie movie. We all know that you like to movie movie because we like, like to, to movie, movie.